1: This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer.
2: Um, I feel a lot of love in this room as I've felt every step of the way on this journey. Uh, I've called Brandon Johnson and Paul Vallis uh, to congratulate them on their victories in advancing uh, to the runoffs. We were fierce competitors
3: in these last few months, um, but I will be rooting and praying for our next mayor to deliver uh, for the people of the city for years to come.
0: Dong gone. Uh, Lori Lightfoot, uh, her concession speech last night to the end of the triple threat era in Chicago, but certainly not the end of identitarian politics Three one two six four two fifty six hundred Turnkey Pro Answer Line six four six three six D A Turnkey Pro Text Line. We ended the show yesterday, appropriately so, uh, as predicted, with her political epitaph and what it should be. And we begin the show today with her concession speech and, of course, the anticipated, at least here on this show, since we know what we're talking about, the anticipated matchup in the runoff of Paul Wallace versus Let's Go Brandon.
3: Yeah, I'm a little sick to my stomach this morning. Not not. You know, I knew that was going to happen, but uh, Brandon Johnson is one sc- scary creature, and we're working on the audio because he gave a, a most aggressive, disgusting, spiteful acceptance speech last night where he, he called Paul Vallis a puppy killer. So Paul Vallis is a new Paul Vallis puppy killer.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: And I tweeted it out in the meantime if you want to see it. You can't it. even it's, let uh, can't.
0: people eat, drink, and be merry for 12 hours. And right. you, have to, you have to celebrate. I mean, you, you, you get to celebrate today, yesterday into today, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow. We elect Brandon Johnson, mayor of Chicago. Uh, here's Johnson in his uh, victory speech getting right after Paul Vallis. This is the truth about Paul Vallis. He has literally failed everywhere he has gone.
4: In fact, Paul Vallis is the author of the tale of two cities, Chicago. We cannot have this man as the mayor of the city of Chicago. No, no, we can't. No.
0: I uh, liked uh, Leah Hope's coverage uh, Well, the coverage I was watching, some of what I was watching. Uh-huh. Leah Hope over at ABC7. <laughs> she was reporting live for Brandon Johnson HQ. Mm-hmm. And... She talked about how this and, and Delia Ramirez, the Marxist congressman, one of our Marxist congressmen, should right. be more general, not the only one, uh, introduced Brandon Johnson and noted the um, the diverse multicultural coalition. And she said <laughs> he said, she said, and you can tell it from the music they've gone from uh, a salsa and merengue to Chicago House covering all of the varietals of music to show just how diverse the Brandon Johnson campaign is. I mean, uh, okay, Paul, I know, I know know Paul Vallis has a handle on the Chicago media. They're his friends. He knows how to deal with them. Okay, Paulie. Okay. I I shouldn't say Paulie, and I got chastised for that because that invokes Canerico. Okay, pandering P-Hat Paul. Uh, Okay, we'll see what happens the next uh, 30 days.
3: Well, at least he was gracious. I mean, he talked about, you know, this was the best day since his son came home from Afghanistan. And he was nice. He started out, you know, thanking the mayor. He just got off the phone with her.
5: Before I came to the hall. And, and please listen. And please, please listen to me carefully. Before I came to the hall. Be, before well, before really I came to the hall. I received a call from Mayor Lightfoot congratulating me on being in the runoff. Let's give her a round of applause because it takes a lot of courage to run for mayor. And
0: no, doesn't do anything for you. Um, I noted the difference in a uh, couple of the differences in the two acceptance speeches, uh, victory speeches. Um, Paul Vallis didn't mention Brandon Johnson. Didn't go after Brandon Johnson. No. Brandon Johnson went after Paul Vallis.
3: He called him an insurrectionist, Dan. He said he was there. He's friends. Paul Vallis is friends with people who were there on January sixth, and we'll play that for you a little later because I fell off my
6: couch. Uh,
0: the other thing I noticed um, the difference. Uh, I didn't hear Brandon Johnson trying to convince anybody he's a Democrat, but I did hear this from Paul Vallis.
5: I am a lifelong Democrat. And for some of you who remember one of the most dynamic progressive legislators, Dawn Clark Netch, she was my mentor and my boss and my friend for two decades. And she taught me, she taught me the importance of protecting a woman's right to choose. And she gave me an appreciation of supporting and respecting all communities. Which is why, when I ran against Rob Gorbache in 2020, I supported marriage equality when they called it gay marriage. You cannot erase the record.
0: Uh, in my best Christian Bale, oh, good for you. Uh, you're right. You can't erase the record, including the record he's amassed uh, since he ran against Rod Blagojevich, including the record he's amassed in this campaign. And I know there was this effort to by the Chicago Press Corps to paint Brandon Johnson as the underdog in this race because that's what they do because they're with Brandon Johnson, you see. Right. But uh, Brandon Johnson is not the underdog in this race. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if people— Understand this or not? There's a lot that people don't understand about this race. It would seem, but um, Brandon Johnson is the favorite in this race. Do we get that three one two six four two fifty six hundred turnkey pro answer line six four six three six da turnkey pro text line. Well,
3: how important is it for Willie Wilson supporters to jump on the Vallis bandwagon, or even Mayor Lightfoot supporters? Because Mayor Lightfoot, <clears throat> I went to all these press conferences. <clears throat> Excuse me. Say what you want about you know she attacked Vallis, but she hates Brandon Johnson and she said if Brandon Johnson is mayor the CTU is going to be in charge of City Hall which is true she said but people will be leaving in droves people will be moving out of the city so what so do we need those supporters does Vallis need those to put them over well the top, of course he it-
0: needs of course he needs this I mean I don't know how the, the 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 profile of the of the Lori Lightfoot voter I don't know how that exactly fits in with Vallis I mean i it sure, it won't be a complete shutout in terms of Lightfoot voters going to Brandon Johnson. But the net-net, when you look at the distribution and you look at basically 55% of the the voters who turned out voted for a Marxist, you say, well, uh, yeah, Willie Wilson supporters will go to Vallis. And some some guys in the trades that were with Chewy, because Local 150 endorsed, endorsed Chewy, will go to Paul Vallis if for nothing other than identity politics of the honky variety. He's white. They're white. Um, but the net net of that, is that enough? Um, I, I, if you take a look at the math and you appreciate the implications of the distribution of the vote, I, I think it's a close race. And, but, and Brandon Johnson may not run a clean race. You know, it may not be a, a tight campaign i don't think and for example i don't think his attempt to paint paul Vallis as a failure is the right play in terms of contrasting himself with paul Vallis. i don't think that's as persuasive as a different play you can make with paul valis so if he doesn't run a good campaign then he gives valis perhaps an opportunity to scratch uh out a couple three four more points that he'll need to win a close race so i don't think this is going to be a blowout okay but I do think Brandon Johnson, I mean, if I had to, if the election were today, if the April 4th election were today, I think Brandon Johnson wins 52-48. And by the way, just for the record, since I'm a Florida resident and I don't know anything about Chicago politics anymore and I can't comment on it, according to some, particularly Vallas supporters, who, of course, demonstrate their moral bankruptcy by um, welcoming me to pump up Vallas, but not welcome me to criticize Vallas. So it has nothing to do with where i reside or whether or not i vote in chicago um but they're trying to make it that way because they can't make a a cogent argument on the merits i understand that's politics that's chicago politics which i understand uh i think i said on this show yesterday all of the oh it could take two weeks oh oh mail-in votes ah quick turnaround on the results
3: good that's good uh well they're still counting sixty mail mail-in ballots
0: yeah, and th- what will that mean? Nothing. I
3: well, Jamal uh, Green thought that that was going to change the election last night because I was watching him. Like, oh, honey, no. And
0: and no, I think I, I think it said it wasn't going to be close one and two. I mean, close for two in a sense, but three percentage points when you're bunched up between thirteen and twenty is not close. It's not recount close, and that's exactly what it was. Three
3: one two six four two five six zero zero Turnkey Pro Answer Line. You can also reach us on our text line six four six three six. Type in D.A., then a quick comment.
0: Paul Plainfield. Yeah, two
7: questions. Does Paul Vallis know he's about ready to be uh McCain'd by the media?
0: I don't know um, if he knows that. I think that's a good question. I think uh, Paul, um, from my conversations with him previously, uh, I think Paul thinks he has a better handle on the Chicago media than he actually has. And I think... Uh, He uh, maybe hopefully some of the coverage of him in the closing weeks, uh, his son being involved in a a police involved shooting down south, his residency being questioned. Hopefully that would give him an indication of what is to come. But I don't know. I mean, and then. Oh, oh, no, I was going to say my second point was
7: uh, don't we want uh, Brandon Johnson to win because. Paul Vallis will just slow the roll down the road to surf them whereas Johnson just accelerates us right into the uh, fire.
0: Well, that's a perfect question. That's that is a big question, Paul. Uh, and you phrased it properly. Maxism, Marxism, Maxim Maxim Marxism, maximum Marxism, or do you try to stabilize and hope it doesn't get any worse? Have somebody sort of Manage the uh, going out of business sale in a more orderly fashion? Maximum Marxism or the prospect of baby marginal improvement? The stories you need to know to start your day. This
1: is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM 560.
8: We're not getting the help they needed or deserved. So I invite you to reach out to my friends at Signature Bank today. Write the number down. Remember this phone number, Signature Bank, 773-467-5630, and learn all about this great bank, 773-467-5630, or visit them online at SignatureBank.Bank. That's SignatureBank.Bank. Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender.
1: looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion. There's only one station in Chicago. We've been turned, it's this one. We're AM 560. The Editor.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Oh, oh. remembering Lori Lightfoot, some of uh, our favorite moments from her tenure. I'm sure you're thinking of some yourself right now.
6: Mm-hmm.
0: Here's one. Lollapalooza, just last summer. Seems like so long ago. We'll always have oh, no. Lollapalooza in 2022. Okay. Now we know what happened with the Supreme Court
9: yesterday. And if you read Clarence Thomas' concurrence, he said,
2: Thank you, f- Clarence Thomas. Yeah. 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 yeah f um. he-
0: Yeah. Woo! I'm going to miss that delicate little flower. Oh,
3: man. What you going to do with that big schlong?
0: Speaking of uh, delicate little flowers. Yeah. Um. P.H. <laughs> oh, Paul thinks he can pander his way to the fifth floor. And we talk a lot about black versus white versus Latino. Because the politicians do, the media does. Um. Yeah, he's got a problem within the honky community. And of course, it's with the offals. So for every... A black voter who voted for Willie Wilson, you have a white voter like Maggie Cullerton, daughter of former Illinois Senate President John Cullerton. I guess she's not buying the credentializing that Paul Vallis has done. This is what she posted on Facebook. Well, we white liberal Chicagoans sure do love our dog whistles, don't we? Jumped at the t- chance to assuage our inaction while performing anti racism since the murder of George Floyd. I'm just so deeply ashamed of us. Please know that if you cast a vote for Paul Vallis, you no longer get to cling to your bystander justification. You are now just as racist and hateful and bigoted as Donald Trump. Make no mistake, this is exactly who you voted for, and it would have taken so little effort for you to educate yourself. I see you, and now I know exactly who you are, Amy. And I will make sure to remind you of that fact loudly in public every time.
3: Oh. I gotta be afraid of her now too.
0: You better watch out for Maria Cullerton. Oh, She's where coming is she? for you. Oh my god. But um but good luck. Yeah. Good luck uh trying to bring these delicate flowers like Maggie Cullerton into the fold, Paul. <laughs> you could talk about Don Clark Netch and your love of abortion all you want. Maggie Cullerton ain't biting. You get when um, on I'm laying down?
3: Dan, he's not P-Hat Paul. He's puppy killer
0: Paul Vallis. <laughs> a lot of alliteration. You know, they've been lying on me so bad,
4: y'all. I wouldn't put it past them. Because you know we don't have a family dog. I wouldn't put it past them that Paul Vallis makes up a lie that I killed puppies. Uh-huh.
0: Killed puppies. Makes uh-huh. up a lie that Brandon Johnson killed puppies.
3: Yeah, yeah, right.
0: Yeah. Well, well, I'm just
3: saying that, you know, Paul Vallis is going to make sure lies it, you know. Brandon Johnson's a puppy killer.
0: Yeah, well, yeah.
3: that's and wait till you hear. It. We're we're efforting this, getting the sound of him uh, claiming that he's friends with people who are at the January sixth insurrection, and the crowd goes.
0: Ah, ah, ah. See, oh. h- h- here's the thing about this um, black white Latino thing. Um, ask yourself a question that isn't about carving everybody into tribes, other than the biggest tribe in Chicago the identitarians, that bring in people from all races. And as proven yesterday, 32% turnout, by the way. I know there's some votes to be counted, so maybe it will get up to 34, 35, about where we said it was, about where it was in, 20, yeah, in exact, exact 2019. Um, uh, and by the way, one ward over 50%. One ward had over 50% turnout. Guess which one?
3: Uh, probably in Jefferson Park.
0: No, Jefferson Park. Oh, no. Mount Greenwood? Area? Yeah, 19th yeah. ward. 19th right. Ward. So um, there's a lot more upside, too, for Brandon Johnson if you want to play identity politics, which Paul Vallis, I'm, I'm not sure if he knows if he wants to play it or not. He's very confused, uh, or at least the messaging is very confused because this is what happens when you're a leaf in the wind.
3: Well, Trippy was out there, you know, talking to the media before Paul Vallis came up and gave his gracious acceptance speech saying, oh, no, no, Paul's very progressive. Oh, yeah. no, he's right. I'm like this white dude talking about white dude being a progressive. OK,
0: you're. Right. You're trying too hard.
3: Yes, exactly. It felt a little staged and uncomfortable.
0: And it's not going to be convincing. But here's the thing. Uh, Thinking, oh, we can get this pocket of black votes and this pocket of Latino votes and so on and so forth. Um, Who wins a contest that is predicated on identitarianism? Oh, he got this black politician to endorse him and this Latino. Where is the mindset of the supermajority of the electorate in Chicago? Do they or do they not buy into identitarian politics? And if they do, then what's the offer from Paul Vallis? I'm also an identitarian. I say again, Paul Vallis is trying to remind everybody he's a Democrat. Why does he have to do that? Brandon Johnson doesn't. Ron, Southside, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Hey, Dan, yesterday you suggested I have a bloody mirror before I go
10: vote. I held (laughs) off today because today I knew I was going to wake up (laughs) into a disaster. Look here, just two things. Brandon Johnson said two things. Well, City Hall will be long now. To the city? No, I won't. No, I won't. It will belong to the teachers union. And in an attempt to be funny, he said, "Well, there's still going to black be a black woman in charge yep. at uh, city here all, city hall." Yeah, Stacy Davis Gates, your boss. Your boss. It won't be you. It'll be the teachers union and these socials that will tax us out And then lastly, guys. Uh, um, oh, oh! I was just
0: thinking about something. But what well, well, the, 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 te- the the teachers' union will be in charge, or will continue to be in charge.
3: Oh, well, it's going to exactly. be worse. No, no, they'll they'll yeah, have but, carte yeah. blanche. They'll have whatever they want.
0: Well, well, I know Actually, it'll absolutely. I know it'll be I know it'll be worse. But we're pretending that the public sector unions are not already in charge of the city.
6: Mm. Absolutely.
0: So he will just be, so the the that, fe- so- he'll be the face. of it. He will be well, the yeah. face of it. But,
6: yeah. But,
10: the last thing, as Mike Waco said, uh, the alderman of the, the laws of the political life. I think that's what he said. And but when I, I just think about uh, Eugene Sawyer. I think that has to be all time record zero point zero four him and uh, Sophia King. So that's still Rod,
0: Roderick Sawyer. Roderick Sawyer. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
10: I'm sorry. Yeah, but yeah, yeah why, yeah, yeah why, why would they even run it? So that's it, guys. Let me go ahead and finish
0: this uh, bloody mirror now. Yeah, good make it, uh, Hey, Ron, Ron, make it a double. Uh, yeah, there you go. We're gonna th- need th- you it. Guys. Thanks for the I call, mean, he Ron. he
3: he's right. I mean, he, the children of the city are screwed. The people of Chicago are screwed because CTU. He's gonna put their needs first. Whatever they, need. guys, they are paying him currently right now a hundred thousand dollars a year. So he's a Cook County board member. He's kind of a no-show. I want to check in on that record. And I want to know how long he's been a community activist making six figures for CTU. He's a plant. Tony Preckwinkle created him and said, you're going to live in this neighborhood on the west side. You're going to run against Boykin. You're going to be a Cook County board member. And then this is what's going to happen.
0: Why does Paul Vallis have to repeat that he's a lifelong Democrat. Why does he have to talk about abortion and marriage definition? Why does he feel compelled to do that?
3: Well, because he had an interview in 2009 where he said he was going to register as a Republican or he was registered as a Republican or run as a Republican. Mm-hmm. And then no. he came on this show, too, and filled in for a few weeks.
0: Uh-huh. Um, go back to 2009 because mm-hmm. this is instructive. You have to know your history if you want to understand things. Okay. Why would he do that in 2009? Why did he say that on the Jeff Berkowitz show in 2009? Does anybody remember? Anybody know? No. Because he was thinking about coming back to run for Cook County Board President against Todd Stroger. He was positioning himself. And then he took a pass on that. And... A few years later, he winds up running as Pat Quinn's lieutenant governor candidate. Well, that's a sea change. And then at the beginning of this race, as you're trying to figure, as he's trying to figure out the money, where's the money going to come from? Well, it's going to come from basically big Republican donors, which is who finance his campaign. And in order to do that, he's got to keep other people like the Bill Dailies and the Jerry Joyces of the world out of the race. So he.
3: She did. Last time he came in ninth, so, this so, time he came so, in first.
0: So so he made overtures and signals and showed up at events that were center right in nature or even outright conservative. I mean, I saw him at a Breakthrough Ideas event uh, that Jeannie Ives hosted, her organization. It was me and John Cass talking politics. Paul Vallis was there. And he's been communicating with Jeannie like he had been communicating with me and others, asking me to get him a meeting with Dick Uline for cash. So that was anything wrong with that. Can can I just explain? And then you can offer your response. So so then it was – so 2009, it was I'm going to be a Republican candidate against Tony Preckwinkel – against Todd Schroeder for Cook County Board President. Then I'm going to be lieutenant governor under Pat Quinn. Then I'm going to run for mayor again, but I learned the lesson of 2019. I can't have a bunch of other white guys, particularly from powerful Dem families in the race. And number two, where do I come up with the money? And then once I got the money and cleared the field of honkies, then it was time to re-embrace my latent leftism. So I guess the question I would ask those pe- people with that quick summary of 15 years of oscillation by Paul Vallis is all the things that he said last night and has said of the campaign, do you believe he'll effort to do any of them? Or will the pandering just continue in perpetuity? And if it's the latter, then you know he'll, who he'll have to be pandering to because you know who represents the supermajority in the city. And that would preclude doing much of what he said he would do. If you don't believe somebody, it doesn't matter if they're telling you things that you wish would happen because you don't believe them. And that's, I guess, the question you have to ask yourself about Paul Vallis, which it leads into the second question, which is managing the decline of the city and preventing the possibility of an organic reform movement to actually present itself in the city. Or it's not bad enough yet. That's what a majority of the voters said yesterday. It's not bad enough in Chicago yet. So maximum Marxism. Let's go, Brandon, and come what may, giving the people what they want. And then you have the possibility of an authentic reform movement and leader emerging.
3: I think he reminded the crowd that he was Republican because he knew right away Brandon Johnson was going to attack him and call him a Republican, even go so far as to call him an insurrectionist.
4: Let me tell you a little bit about Paul Vallis. See, Paul Vallis is someone who is supported by the January 6th insurrectionists. He switched parties when President Barack Obama became the president of the United States.
0: Any
3: truth to that? Who who are the January 6th supporters, the insurrectionists that are supporting Paul Valls?
0: What what are you talking about? uh, uh, Every Trump voter, every Republican, every person who's even had a dalliance with a Republican is an insurrectionist, according to... Maximum Marxists like Brandon Johnson. Have you not seen what National Democrat Socialists have been saying for the last six years? And obviously, since January 6th, layering that in. First, we're Russian agents, and then we're insurrectionists. We're domestic terrorists. That's why Merrick Garland has to dispatch agents to school board meetings. And what's Paul Vallis done when challenged on any of this? And who has Paul Vallis challenged? these institutional interests that he's going to take on. I, I just don't buy it. I don't buy the act. And that's what I think it is, an act. And I presented it, even just just a portion of the evidence. And the response I get is, play the game, lesser of two evils, I believe him. Those aren't arguments. That's, there's, there's nothing evidence-based about that. So... Uh, oh, um, Brandon Johnson is attacking Paul Vallis for being uh, an insurrectionist, slide with insurrections. Why isn't Paul Vallis attacking Brandon Johnson the same way? Oh, because there's there's no nexus for Paul Vallis to make that claim to the extent he wanted to run that kind of campaign anyway.
3: He eventually and there, he will.
0: And there is a nexus for Brandon Johnson to make that claim from the mindset of the maximum Marxist who characterizes anybody, frankly— Just uh, first of all, in Brandon Johnson's mind, Paul Vallis, like every other white person, is an oppressor because he's white. This is, you know, this is a, a maximum Marxist. Black Lives Matter, CRT. What is confusing about this? Can we apply what we've watched for the last decade to this race? Because you have a quintessential example of the kind of candidates that have been lording over these big cities in America, not just Chicago, most of them. For the entire time in academia and everywhere else. We just we're going to look at this race in a silo and pretend we understand nothing of what has happened to the city, state and country, with Chicago being just a microcosm of that, particularly a microcosm of big city America. I mean, the, the Pollyannish attitude. Of the Paul Vallis voter and frankly, these Republican donors to Paul Vallis is breathtaking w- w- this is why I say Brandon Johnson is the favorite if the election were held today as I said it'd be 52-48 Brandon Johnson I think based on sort of back of the envelope math and extrapolating from yesterday's distribution of the vote
3: Well, Paul Bell's got the- 169,000 votes Johnson got 100,000 and it was mostly older people that voted 55-plus. So if Brandon Johnson wants to win, he's got to get the younger kids to vote or the you know 20-somethings to get out there and vote.
0: That represented 34.5% of the vote. He's got the other two-thirds of the vote that he can pull from, doesn't he? But it's not even the point. It's not even the point. It's a Brandon Johnson. It's his race to lose. Because Vallis and so many of these Vallis backers don't even understand the landscape in Chicago. You're trying to pretend it's something it isn't because you're engaged. Oh, now I'm upset, and I know other people who are upset and they're afraid. Thus the political landscape on the city has, in, has, in the city has changed. Has it? What's the evidence? Turnout? No. Aldermanic races? No. Basically, a hold serve just about everywhere. What's the evidence? A, uh, a, a even just below the surface analysis of, with with the limited information we have now, analysis of the distribution of the vote among those nine candidates tells you otherwise. So, but believe what you want, Greg and Schomburg. To pick up on what you've just been saying, Dan, but from the standpoint of the
3: suburbs. From the standpoint of the mayor's decisions, um, affect us. Yesterday, or two days ago, the Walgreens store in Schaumburg was robbed. Yesterday, the, st- the store over on Roselle was robbed. Uh, there's been robberies of people in parking lots and the hotels over on the uh, 290 strip. This is really important and. To hear Paul Vallis pick up on all of the identitarian stuff that you just talked about in view of the one thing that if he just stick with it and with his voice and speech pattern versus Brandon Johnson, he better just stay with crime. That's the winning issue for the whole area.
0: Thanks. Thanks for the call, Greg. And it's a good point about why uh, suburbanites, why the city matters to the sub- suburbs and, as I've said forever, to the entire state. Stop pretending Chicago only matters to Chicago residents. Only Chicago residents can talk about Chicago. Hardly. Chicago has an impact on the entire state, on the entire Midwest. So there's a lot of interested parties, and there should be. And frankly, not enough. Not enough interested parties.
1: The stories you need to know to start your day. This is Chicago's Morning Answer.
8: is my bank. I'm a customer. As business owners, they knew that local, family-owned businesses were not getting the help they needed or deserved. So, I invite you to reach out to my friends at Signature Bank today. Write the number down. Remember this phone number, Signature Bank, 773-467-5630, and learn all about this great bank, 773-467-5630, or visit them online at signaturebank.bank. That's SignatureBank.Bank. Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. Member FDIC, equal housing lender.
1: This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy Amy will be back shortly. She's a a big star, so she's doing a hit with the Salem station in New York. Talk talk, talk up Paul Vallis. Maybe have uh, some New York Republicans drop ship him some money, too. He'll need it. Uh, The big guy, Mr. 10%, President Biden, has been having a a rough week. It started over the weekend when uh, he sat down with ABC News to talk about uh, the prospects of his running for re-election and um, uh, try to address the question of people feeling the country is not on the right track, that they are losing ground financially. And uh, here's what he had to say.
11: Well, look, I think it goes well beyond the economy. Think about it. You make the new, I mean, you interview for the news. Can you think of anything I turn on the television and go, God, that makes me feel good? Almost anything. Everything is in the negative. We're also finding out now that uh, one of the outlets has decided that they have put things on they know to be false in order to uh, increase their ratings. So I think things are a little out of whack and I don't blame people for being down. You know, when you had a year, two years of uh, of the pandemic, kids out of school, Uh, The mental health problems in the country are seriously increased, especially among young people. Some things are, for example, even feeling down about employment, they've got better jobs. They're making more money. Inflation is still higher than it should be. And, uh, you know, everything from gasoline prices to to a, a war going on in Ukraine. I mean, so I can't think of a time when there's been greater uncertainty. Notwithstanding the fact we created an 800,000 manufacturing job, we're better off than virtually any other major nation in the world economically. But it's understandable why people are just down.
0: Yeah, because of all these um, external factors that are beyond his control. And uh, despite all of the progress that he's made, we're still the tallest skyscraper in Wichita, and that should be good enough. So it's just a marketing problem and a media problem. You know how tough the D.C. press corps is on uh, frontmen for – maximum marxism like joe biden sure okay joe uh, seemed to be at one time arguing for himself and then the other time arguing for people who uh, find him uh lacking in terms of his stewardship of the country and of course the typical covidian explanation uh with respect to Uh, kids and falling behind in school and the mental health crisis and the fentanyl overdosing these things just happened they're not the result of any policies lori lightfoot dearly departed the same way you know all these things happen to us these are all natural disasters not man-made disasters in the form of our policy responses so and joe is not the uh, sharpest tool in the shed as i think he's proven over the last 50 years and so he has a hard time um, getting out of these rhetorical morasses into which he puts himself and so then he followed that up by the way this is you know against the backdrop of the big news the department of energy report new intelligence confirms the lab leak or that that the COVID came from a wuhan virology lab leak and uh, this being dismissed over the weekend by Biden administration flax, like Jake from the State Department, no consensus. John Kirby followed up on that Monday. Where was the big guy, Mr. Ten Percent? Was he fielding questions about this? And if true, what the United States would do vis-a-vis the Chinese communists? No. No, he was at a black history event Monday then, Uh, you know, doing the Mr. Ten Percent pander.
11: I know real power when I see it, the divine nine we're honored to have presidents all the presidents here tonight and i want to thank him for and by the way you know i'm not i, I, I may be a white boy but i'm not stupid <laughs> i know where the power is
0: delightful the divine nine he's talking about the presence of black sororities and fraternities that were present for this black history month event so that he could pander to them people that he treats as the left treats generally as mascots talking about um, black americans and so we see that playing out in chicago as well of course we do and then it was joe biden yesterday as we're still getting more information and which is engendering more debate about the conclusion by department of energy officials that the leak came from, that the COVID came from the Wuhan Virology Lab leak. Where's Joe Biden? Uh, he's doing a health care event in Virginia Beach to you know, trot out the standard line of leftist attack that Republicans want to cut Medicaid and Medicare and uh, recounting his, more pandering, recounting his close relationship to the nursing community.
11: And I had a nurse named Pearl Nelson, military. She'd come in and do things that I don't think you learn in medical school, nursing school. She'd whisper in my ear. I didn't, couldn't understand him. She'd whisper, she'd lean down. She'd actually breathe on me to make sure that I was there. there was a connection, a human connection. She even went home and brought back her pillow from her own bed because he didn't do the one where I had The one comfortable. But I'm not joking.
0: You know, someday, I hope Pearl Nelson has the chance to meet Corn Pop, don't you? Yeah. Another apocryphal story from Joe the Fabulist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Pearl Nelson doing things that uh, nurses don't normally do, and then he went on to... This was about... I I think it was in reference to his stay at Walter Reed back in the late 80s when he had uh, an aneurysm. Uh... So anyway, that's what the big guy's been up to. You know, the president of the United States. Meanwhile, more response from the intelligence community, since there's not consensus, and the FBI is certainly part of the intelligence community, how much ever an oxymoron that statement is. So FBI Director Christopher Wray was trotted out to sit with our friend Brett Baer to talk about. Sort of a big deal, a virus that uh, killed a million Americans and the origination of it, and whether this was something that was purposeful or accidental. Uh, certainly the cover-up, if it was accidental, was not accidental. Christopher Ray, what the FBI knew and when it knew it.
12: So uh, as you note, know, Brett, uh, the FBI has for quite some time now assessed that the origins of the pandemic are most likely a potential lab incident in wuhan we step back for a second you know the fbi has folks agents professionals analysts virologists microbiologists etc who focus specifically on the dangers of biological threats which include things like novel viruses like covid uh, and the concerns that, that in the wrong hands, some bad guys, a hostile nation state, a terrorist, a criminal, uh, the threats that those, those could pose. So here you're talking about a potential leak from a Chinese government-controlled lab that killed millions of Americans. And that's precisely what that capability uh, was designed for. I should add that, uh, that our work related to this continues and there are not a whole lot of details I can share that aren't aren't classified. I will just make the observation that the Chinese government seems to me has been doing its best to try to thwart and obfuscate uh, the work here, the work that we're doing, the work that our U.S. government and, and close foreign partners are doing, um, and that's unfortunate for everybody.
0: Uh, isn't Christopher Ray just a treasure? It's uh, well, yesterday, February of 2023, and Christopher Ray is pretending. Yeah, that's where the FBI has been the whole time. We're doing the work. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what's with these Chinese communists uh, covering up the leak from the lab? Oh, that's what Christopher Ray has been shouting from the rooftops. Right. have not you heard? Three one two six four two fifty six hundred turnkey dot pro answer line six four six three six D A turnkey dot pro No, I can't. You can't talk about the work. They're still doing oh, on yes. this because uh, he has to go, oh you yeah, know, you'd have to go to, to, to Joe Biden's corvette to get uh, that, that classified information, but uh, the 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 gall of Christopher Ray and the FBI, by extension, to come out after this deal, we report say, "Oh yeah, yeah, no, I know. I know we've been saying that the whole time. I, was I asleep? For the, uh, yeah, the parts of the last three years where Christopher Ray was saying, of course, it's a lab leak and the Chinese communists are covering up and the FBI is on the job in consultation and co- collaboration with our intelligence agencies.
3: Well, this is why nobody will ever trust the FBI ever again. They cannot get their reputation back.
0: Uh, it's just remarkable, the revisionist history. So, OK, oh, well, so now we got two things. If uh, uh, Mr. Ten Percent, the big guy, President Biden, can pull himself away to, from pandering to minority groups and pandering to nurses to address what do we do if this is true? Do you believe it's true? Are we going to listen to people say there's no consensus in the Intelligence Committee, your NSA, your Pentagon spokesman, and then have your, your FBI director come on and say, yeah, of course. Of course it was. Okay, so then if, if if Christopher Ray, of course it was. Do you believe Christopher Ray or not? Do you believe the officials at the Department of Energy and the new intelligence uh, upon which they're basing their decision or not? And if you do, then what are you going to do about it? Where where, where is Karine Jean Pierre to explain this all to us? Uh, just stunning. By the way, that we mentioned this piece yesterday, but it just bears repeating because Marty Makary, uh, Doctor Marty Makary from Johns Hopkins. He has been an invaluable resource over the last three years. He has been one of those uh, medical professionals. He's a medical doctor and an MPH, public health, uh, who has called balls and strikes, who has challenged the orthodoxy of opinion emanating from CDC, NIH, the COVIDian classes. And he hasn't gotten the same sort of credit for uh, the heat that he's taken that Jay Bhattacharya and Martin Kaldorf and a lot of the others have. But he's certainly in that category. He he wrote this brilliant piece, which should be laminated. I'm going to laminate this piece. Okay. I'm going to make it a bookmark. I'm going to put it in my pocket constitution so I have it with me at all times.
3: Please. Can you send me a copy too?
0: In the New York Post, 10 myths, myths told by COVID experts, now debunked. 10. And this is just, you know, a table of contents natural immunity offers little protection compared to vaccinated immunity mass prevent COVID transmission number two school closures reduce COVID transmission three myths debunked was there anything these people were correct about number four myocarditis from the vaccine is less common than from the infection this uh, I want to add a one more piece to because this is still being hotly debated uh, he makes the point. We now know myocarditis is 6 to 28 times more common after the COVID vaccine than after the infection among 16 to 24-year-old males. So those of you out there with a uh, son 16 to 24 or who is 16 to 24, men, let me repeat. Myocarditis, 6 to 28 times more common after the vaccine than after infection. Unbelievable. Five. Five. Young people benefit from a vaccine booster. Myth <laughs> debunked. And he provides all the substantiation. Of course he does. He's Marty Macari. He's not Tony Fauci. He's not J.B. Pritzker. He's not Lori Lightfoot. Number six, vaccine mandates increase vaccination rates. That's an interesting one. Oh, Haven't no, heard that no. talked about a lot. Study uh, from George Mason University details how vaccine mandates in nine major U.S. cities had no impact on vaccination rates. They also had no impact on COVID transmission rates.
3: And all those people lost their jobs. Members of the military defending this country lost their jobs.
0: It's just unbelievable. Misinformation uh, number seven: COVID originating from the Wuhan lab is a conspiracy theory. N- not according to Christopher Ray.
3: No, and Dan, aren't you and I are old enough to remember when people were banned on social media yeah. for even bringing up the possibility of a Chinese lab leak? Remember we got that? suspended We, got, we suspended got suspended
0: on YouTube routinely for violating all of for not abiding all of these myths.
3: Yeah, that's right.
0: Number eight, it's important to get the second vaccine dose three or four weeks after the first dose. Oh, please. Number nine, data on the bivalent vaccine is crystal clear. In my opinion, writes Macari, the data are crystal clear that young people should not get the bivalent vaccine. It would have also spared many children myocarditis. And number 10, one in five people get long COVID. Oh, long COVID, long COVID. We hear a lot about this. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention claims 20% of COVID infection can result in long COVID, but a British study found only 3% of COVID patients had residual symptoms lasting 12 weeks. What explains the disparity? Macari writes, it's often normal to experience mild fatigue or weakness for weeks after being sick and inactive and not eating well. Calling these cases long COVID is the medicalization of ordinary life. Off by a factor of seven. Yeah, that's pretty good for these uh, medical experts who are beyond reproach, who uh, you shall not question. That's just ten, just ten. All of those uh, myths that were used to rationalize irrational public policy responses to COVID.
3: And it was the arrogance and their dismissive, you know, dismissive attitude to those of us who questioned lockdowns and mask wearing the way they treated those who even question it they should be ashamed of themselves but we'll never get an apology we'll never get a. you know what maybe you were right
0: no no what we'll get
3: what are we gonna get
0: calls for amnesty we'll get more calls for amnesty hey 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 Pound sand that's behind us let's come together now never I'm the come-together person. I'm a uniter now after I vilify people, after I behave like a barbarian to kids, to people with special needs. Uh, I, the the immediate example is the uh, deaf Uh, Uber driver who was um, screamed at by a Dunkin Donuts employee because she couldn't understand because everybody has masks and she needs to read lips and so on and so forth. She uh, uh, recorded this tearful video of just how frustrated she was trying to live in this world, not just with the restrictions, but then people's high headedness when it comes to imposing them because they wanted to show how how much how committed they are to fighting off covid to slowing the spread.
3: You should have seen how many people had masks and double masks yesterday at the polling place. Of course it's, they it's, did. It's like of psychotic. It's a cult. You're like, well, I'm saving lives still.
0: Yes. Yeah, well, you're, sh- well, you're not. Sh- Chicago is one big death cult, and and COVID just added a layer to it.
3: But remember the guy in the the Jewel employee was chasing around the guy without a mask with a price gun. I mean, people did, or, or family members having others go to the bathroom in a bucket hey, in the garage hey, because hey. they didn't want any germs to touch. The bathroom.
0: These were confusing times. We did the best we could. You know, we got through it. We're all in the same boat. We got through it together. Hey, 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 amnesty. Let's not rehash what happened. Come on now. Nobody knew. We did our best. We were right about every
3: single thing. And I used to be, I was one of the original COVIDians. I still have the Tyvek suit and the footies and the masks and the hand sanitizers.
0: Yeah, it'll come Take in. Take it off. It'll come in handy. They'll find a way to get what? that uh, to get the PPE back on you and me. Dan and Amy Chicago's Morning Answer.
1: You've made the switch and it feels so good. You have switched to Chicago's Morning Answer. An AM 560. The Answer.
13: Time now for another reason why Dan popped this single
0: Dan and Amy, yeah. well, there's a uh, podcast, dating podcast called Whatever that I happened what? upon. That's, a, that's, the, that's the name of the podcast. Because whatever.
3: whatever.
0: Okay, why do you have to do a, a New York accent? I don't know. Uh, uh. And apparently it's like a couple of guys and then they get like six, eight, ten girls and they're just sort of trying to provoke them by making statements that are sort of traditional male-female in nature versus the, you know, identitarian, feminist, political culture of the day. And it makes for some tense moments, for example. Chase, would you rather
9: smash the hottest trans woman in the world or the oldest woman in the world? Honestly, bro? The oldest oldest woman in the world, because then I wouldn't be gay.
3: (laughs) What? <laughs> you really just want me
9: to uh, just rip uh, you a uh, f-ing new uh, one? I swear. Uh, are out. you like what, uh, what? Chase? Yeah. How dare you be transphobic?
10: Yes, actually. What the f- do you mean? Yes, that was because so if necessary. I had
9: sex with a trans woman, I'd be having sex with a biological man, and I don't want to do that.
6: The question is, that's is not what you, say say you said them? though. That's fine. Because I'd you be say. gay if I had sex that's with not a biological gay. Gay. man. That's not gay.
9: That's and gay. I don't
3: care if you're doing this for like whatever, but like, shut the. Actually, you look like a little Why don't? No, his why, don't, why, don't why don't?
9: Why don't you make that's me shut the up? <laughs> because I have an opinion yeah, that differs know. from yours. No, I'm I'm to at at like she's like right. I mean, that's really. She's, hateful, she's bro. not. She's not. <laughs> it would technically be homosexual. A trans woman is a biological, <laughs> biological man. Sue <laughs> me. It's. True. Dude,
10: that's
3: mean.
9: i also got to go. It's not up. It's real. It's true.
10: Okay, if you guys
9: want to respect gender
13: identities, that's his, though. That's his sexuality.
7: I'm not allowed to say that.
9: I'm not allowed to say that.
7: Yes, from a biological woman who doesn't even have any trans friends, that
6: was too far. A man of God who doesn't
10: judge a Christian, yeah. Yeah.
9: You know know what God said? It said he made them women. He made them man and woman. I just told you I'm not gay. I'll pass on that. Thanks, though. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Who knew they that stating biological right. facts Would make people walk off the show
0: uh, If I had a nickel for every date Like that I've had uh, yeah. Um, well that's I, happened
9: To a lot of men
3: They think they're going out with a woman And they find out that they're really a man Movies are made of this kind of stuff
0: Well uh, 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 The more to the point here um, They think they're going out with a woman And they end up going out With a shrill foul-mouthed P-Hat because that was the actual exchange, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, gee, I wonder why this Pew Research study finds 63% of men under the age of 30 are electively single. That's up about uh, 25% since pre-pandemic. 62-thirds, almost two-thirds of men under the age of 30 are single. Golly, and by the way, we're talking about these young people here were, you know, maybe uh, certainly under the age of 35. Yeah, maybe this dynamic that's being put on display by the podcast, whatever, can provide some mansplaining for that statistic. Um, but all they right.
3: stormed off This, I mean, come on. <laughs>
0: I'm offended this is not a safe space. Well, I mean uh, – I need to leave. Uh, he yeah. is right if you have – sex with a trans woman you're having sex with a man yeah. I mean is that mm-hmm. that's this is in controversy these days that's sort of the point uh let's try another one this is okay. a a classic but the uh exchange is fun particularly because of the well the lack of thoughtfulness to be generous of the uh woman in defending her position
9: would you describe yourself as a feminist yes do you believe in gender equality
2: uh, yeah of course, okay, so
9: how do you reconcile <laughs> believing in gender equality but also holding men to their traditional gender roles of paying for the first date
2: well i'm I'm just saying that's my personal view be, a woman can being a feminist is just doing whatever you want to do and <laughs> wow, not really? being bashed by society for that and mm-hmm. uh, obviously wow. like like um standing up for like women's like rights and stuff I, like that, but when it I don't know. I just feel like this question's really dense.
9: My question is, if you believe in gender equality, don't you think you ought to split the bill on the first
11: date?
2: No, because my main concern with gender equality is through, like, yes, in society, like, fixing that and through, like, the system. But, yeah, I don't. Oh, my God.
3: It's too much. The question I can't process <laughs> this.
2: Oh my god! Somebody get me out of here, please.
0: Oh, I love the old splitting the check question, which is something I'm completely against, by the way. Oh, so, I'm
3: against that too.
0: Oh uh, well, women yeah. should
3: obviously pay the
0: whole. <laughs> they should pay full freight. Wasn't right. there a
3: woman who got every meal paid for her for the past year because she went on different dates and men?
0: Yes, paid for her. Yes, meal. Every, every every woman. One. Yeah, every single woman. <laughs> oh, Dan. <laughs> For the most part, uh, am I wrong?
3: No, there's some there. The, these millennials they split the check.
0: Well, that's because it's because they're you've, there, some of these millennials learn from their uh, p hat parents to be male impersonators.
3: I, I flew back from Atlanta the other day, and this older woman, she had to be in her 80s. She was having trouble getting her suitcase up in the overhead bin, and I, you know, I don't have the best back in the world. And I said, "Is it really heavy?" And so she and I are both. And this kid's sitting there like, son, young man, get up and help.
0: Well, it's on my bag.
3: He didn't even receive, because he has earbuds in. He's like, what, what? He didn't even help. So somebody came from the back to help us. I mean, it's just, come on. Open doors for pregnant women. Give your seat up on the bus for pregnant women and elderly people. It's really, like These are the basics.
0: I, I, just, I just love the the answer. The quality of the answer just says so much about the quality of the intellect you're dealing with. Um, All right, how about this one? Okay, I'm ready. Does the phrase, make her my wife, bother you? Make her my wife. Like, I want to meet a girl and make her my wife. Does that phrase bother you?
3: Isn't there a song? If you want to be happy for the rest of your life, man and a man and make her wife. Yeah. Uh, Um, Okay.
0: uh, Does that bother you? Do you find that offensive? I I want to meet a fella and make him my husband. Uh, is that mm-hmm. offensive?
3: That's just weird.
0: <laughs> well nobody That's says fella, fella except people that are a hundred years old like myself. Yeah. But um, well this was oh, that a, doesn't offend me at all. Well this well then the, you're the not, man
3: asks the woman to be his wife.
0: Well, you're not keeping up okay. with what you're what is offensive. Take a listen. If I find
9: a girl that I want to make my wife and I find her super she attractive wife.
6: <laughs> Okay. Yeah,
9: because that's what I would do. I would make her my wife. I would ask her to marry me, and then make her my wife. You say feminist. you are a feminist. You're one hundred percent. That is feminist. You look. I you like, you heard me about, say that. Oh, you I heard. To make her my wife. Like. Yeah, because that's what it I would do. It's like I, I'm I, an equal human, a woman. You, it's Not about you. You it's say that. To make her your wife. Obviously, she would want to be she my wife. She has her
3: own life. She wants to be your wife too. Yeah,
9: of course, but she's she not going to go she's, to the
3: club. She wants to do her makeup. No, she's not going to want to go to pictures. clubs. She's not going to want to go does. to clubs. No, because here's the
9: thing: that's a non-negotiable for me in marriage. Okay, well, then, if I, if I find if I find a woman, if there's plenty of women out there, there that don't want to go to clubs all the time. Okay, well, there's plenty of women out there that don't want to go to clubs girl. in tiny little dresses and get hit on by guys <laughs> all the time. There
6: 312
0: 642 5600 turnkey depro answer line 64636 da turnkey depro text line I there are so many things that would be uh, so painful that I would rather do than spend one podcast with those women you just heard from
3: <laughs> and that's why Dan Propt is single
0: and apparently uh, <laughs> almost two thirds of men under 30 agree with me so I feel like I'm in good company David in Winneka, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Hey, hey
7: good morning, guys. Oh, that splitting the check thing,
14: I, I've always been a,
7: you know, pick up the check. Person, so this past Sunday, I had a first date, and at the end of it, the girl didn't seem into it, and you know, she was whatever. So, at the end of the date or at the end of the uh meal, the check comes and she's like, she asked if she was if we were going to split this, and I said, yeah, sure, okay. All of a sudden, her whole demeanor changed. I mean, she's you know, she, and she wants to see me again. So, I think guys, I think oh, we do it all no. wrong, oh, God.
6: <laughs>
0: oh, no. yeah, you know, because she's got somebody that she can dominate, she's got somebody that she thinks is you know, some feet, some, some uh, yeah male feminist that she can push around now because you uh, you you took the bait of splitting the check. Now she's going to have you voting for, uh, I don't know, Kamala Harris for president, David. That's her plan. (laughs) No no,
7: no
0: way. No way in the world will that ever happen. Uh, All right. All right. Thanks for the call. The splitting the check. Um, Yeah, I my favorite, though, is uh, the tip.
3: Why is it like for Well, a lot of women pay for the tip. Well, I'll get the tip. Let me get the tip.
0: Yeah. Hey, uh, honey, baby, and that's <laughs> hey, the, the hey, phraseology I use. Yeah. Watch it, muffin top. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, if I can pay for the piano, I can pay for the bench. All right.
3: Oh. Just, Is that your just, line? That's such yeah, a good line, Dan. Just, just,
0: just, just stop, stop. I
3: might steal it.
0: Stop. Um, now, if you want to pick up the whole thing plus <laughs> the tip, now that's a conversation. No, it's not. I don't. Yeah.
3: Well, they're just trying to be helpful to show that, you know, they're participating.
0: Yeah. Don't. Just, you know, just everybody stay in their lane. How about that? <laughs> and and stay in your biological gender while you're at it. Yeah. Uh, George in Naperville.
11: Seven brides for seven brothers should be
10: required viewing in our schools today.
0: Why? Oh, oh, that, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, See ya. I think I know what he's getting at, but. If you're I, going I didn't to make a movie. reference. If you make a reference, then explain the reference so I don't have to. Well Mary what's the Kay, reference or is it not worth it? Yeah, All so right. It. Mary Kay Western. All right, sports. Amy.
2: Keep singing, Amy. I love it when you sing. So my daughter is um, you know, she dates down at school and um, they it's the agreement oh well, I mean what most kids do, and she's a big negotiator. She's um, like, All right, we'll split it this time and she she overthinks this, you know, we'll split it this time. And next time I'll get it, and the time after that you'll get it. So it's real equitable. Equitable is a big thing with oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. the dating scene, don't you think, Dan? Um, and you know, you yeah, I'll you what, I'll you, yeah, I'll tell you what.
0: I'll tell you, yeah, let's <laughs> tell you what. Let's 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 pay the check based on our relative income or net worth. Yeah. so that we'll distribute the check too. according to that. How about that?
2: I'm getting yeah. a lot of free yeah, meals. Right, uh, Stay in your lane. That's a big thing with you, Dan. Stay in your lane. You wow. know, I like that.
0: I like uh, order, yeah. orderly. I like traffic to be orderly. Me
2: too. I like order too. I like structure. I like order. Um, and you know, as far as like the helping. Well, wait. So, people,
0: so, so, so wait, wait. Wait, 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 You talk about your. So, how how's your daughter doing? Is she is she meeting any real man, or does she not want? No. Does she just want to meet? She like didn't. A male She didn't. She finally
2: met one guy. I don't want to give you too much information, but she met yeah. one guy. She finally has a quote unquote. You know, he's a boyfriend. He he is an actual boyfriend. She's a senior in college, okay? She's mm-hmm. never met a guy who was worthy of her in mm-hmm. her own mind because I, I didn't know, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, she's one of the, you know, she likes to study. She likes to do her stuff. She doesn't, she's like, and what's, up, what's, up, what's, 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 and
0: what's this, this guy, if you want my approval, which you're seeking, what what's this guy's story?
2: Uh, he, she met him at a basketball game, sleuth, you know. Um, she, Katie, sorry, my daughter hangs out with the, uh. With the, with the guy. She's like one of the guy girls, you know, and um, they met at a basketball game. And he's he's like her, you know. They consider themselves kind of the, you know, sort of dork nerds, whatever. She's okay. in that group. She likes it. Right. And he, he's all right. They played um, Billiken's beat. Who did they beat
0: last week? I don't
2: remember, but they they pounced on um, Loyola, Dan.
0: Loyola? Oh. Yeah, Loyola's terrible. They kicked Loyola's
2: butt by, like, yeah, well, I don't
0: know, 14 points. Uh, And so, but what's this guy's story? Is he, like, a computer science guy who's going to go start a tech company and make a billion dollars? Is that...
2: Well, he's already, good, yeah, maybe, he already graduated, he's um, working in St. Louis. The ultimate goal for my daughter is to get to um, D.C. because she's political journalism, um, minor Catholic studies, minor, and political science major. And she, you know, she writes, she she gets her work published in the St. Louis paper. She did a big thing on mental health because she RA'd during her junior year, during her college year.
0: All right, so, so. yeah. So is this, so are we talking, are, we, do, are you hearing wedding bells? Is that what I'm hearing?
2: Have you met him? Yes. Oh, God, not yet. Jesus okay. Christ, you don't do what? that. Mar- I mean,
0: Mary,
3: Mary Kay, <laughs> don't say the Lord's name in vain. There's exactly. no oh, I'm that. sorry. Well, well that's, no,
0: that's just yeah. not. No, well, that's okay, not, sorry, I, I understand. That's my reaction when the topic of marriage is raised as well.
2: Well, yeah. you know, a lot of kids down there are engaged, you know, because the kids, you know, that church down there, St. Francis Xavier, is packed every Sunday night for college church. There's 800, 900 kids in there. You know, it's a it's a well, that's huge a,
0: cathedral. Huh? Yeah, that's a current More of that Christian revival we well, see going on. Mike Scott, like isn't Baylor. your son Thanks, engaged? engaged? He, he, he goes to SLU. And yeah, he's, he's an RA at SLU too.
3: Oh, and he's engaged.
0: Yeah, he's in Marchetti Towers.
12: He's uh, graduating in May. All right. In,
3: All right
12: to good. be wed in July.
3: Oh, I'm so happy for you. I'm happy um, too. We got a text message, Dan. Uh, just the tip, question mark?
0: Yeah. It doesn't count. <laughs> just the tip doesn't count in, just in, just in both contexts. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Marty Naperville.
5: A couple of things. They had a little advice. Don't date girls that everything they say sounds like a question.
0: Right. Okay. Sing song. And number yeah. two,
5: something yeah, something that uh, that you guys were talking about before about the airplane when Amy was talking about it. I was just doing a, a flea market or a garage sale in Florida. Getting rid of heavy furniture. This young girl says, "Oh, let me call my husband to help." He comes over. I lift one end. She lifts the other end. And he's telling her, "Okay, dear, back up, back up. We're getting close to the van." <laughs> I'm like, "Really, dude? Pick it That's up.
0: It's awesome. awesome. Yeah,
4: unbelievable."
0: Yeah. Mm. Hey, uh, you take the heavy end. I got. Uh, I'll. <laughs> yeah, I'll get the door. Uh, Steve St. Charles.
1: Mm. Good morning. How you doing today, Dan?
3: He's fine. Thank you. Yes. Yes.
1: (laughs) Good.
0: Always the same.
1: Men
4: need to be men. Open the door. Pay the check. Uh, When you're walking down the road, girls walk on the inside. I don't know. I don't think anybody ever taught guys how to be right in the last 25 years. However, my boys do. They're on time. They open the door. They pay the check. They do all the right stuff. And let's get back to it. What is going on here? And That's also walk down
3: the stairs first in case she falls, you can catch her. Hmm. That's something my grandpa taught me. So I do it all the time to men.
0: <laughs> um I, I so i this is, you know, not for me, this like um dealing with the distaff side, but um I think I have a job that I can help other people. And um I'm I'm so glad I saw this this ad. It was just profile of the New York Post. Guy posting uh, on this on his dating profile lives in Greenwich Village. I'm seeking a soulmate, but first I'm seeking Cyrano de Bergerac. Me, a 30-something guy with a good hinge profile, but a low motor for messaging. You, a witty banterer that loves the apps. Us, the most unstoppable force on the New York dating scene. But listen to listen to the comp. You'll be paid a commission: $200 for a date, $2,000 for a girlfriend, $10,000 for a wife. Oh. So I can write yeah I can I can compose some prose for this guy to use to get dates and and so I can I can hook people up and get compensated. I think that's my new side hustle.
3: You're yenta, you're yenta. I
0: mean I mean you know I I I remember like I remember. poetry that I can just this is like cut and paste for me. Oh. And since nobody reads uh for example Shakespeare anymore because Of course, he's a white male oppressor. They won't even know the reference, but they'll be wowed by this vintage rhyme, right? For example, Sonnet 17. Yes. If I could write the beauty of your eyes and in fresh numbers number all your graces, the age to come would say this poet lies. Such heavenly touches never touched earthly faces. Tell me that's not going to at least get the two grand for the girlfriend.
3: You can pay for the check now. Thank you. Coming up on Chicago's Morning Answer.
0: All right, we'll switch gears and talk to our friend, Professor William Jacobson at Legal Insurrection. He's also at Cornell Law. About a new initiative at LegalInsurrection.com, 707.
3: And then later, back to the election, Mayor Lightfoot is out. What will she do now? But now, right now, let's head into the newsroom. Here is Mike Scott.
12: Voter turnout for Tuesday's election, lower than expected. As Paul Vallis advances to a runoff against Brandon Johnson in the Chicago mayoral election. A trial for defendants in the Comet bribery case delayed. The Blackhawks trade Patrick Kane to the Rangers. Blackhawks lose to the Coyotes and the Bulls fall to the Raptors. WIND Chicago News Times
1: 7 o'clock. Hear about the big stories of the day then talk about them right here on Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. So this uh, tweet... Uh, Late last week, or actually over the weekend, from Peachy Keenan, who is a uh, op-ed writer for American Mind. Hit upon something that uh, you're not supposed to talk about. Oh, boy. Went viral because of the hue and cry of identitarian leftists in response to what she posted. The tweet, college admission season update. From a friend, niece got 1450 SAT, 4.2 GPA, competitive athlete. She didn't even get into her safety schools. Ooh. Going to a junior college this year and is very depressed. This actually happened last year, um, but which she corrected. But regardless, this is the point. 1450 SAT, 4.2 GPA, competitive athlete. She didn't even get into her safety schools. Going to junior college this year, very depressed. The persons of color kids in her class – C students at best are all headed to Berkeley, and that broke the Internet with the how dare you, and you're making assumptions, and even some people saying 1450 isn't a very good SAT score. great
3: essay. Are you kidding me? Please. You can get into an Ivy League school with that easily.
0: It's 95th percentile, but okay, Um, and that, oh, you're talking about these C students and so on and so forth, but it's true. I'm
3: surprised C students got into Berkeley, though.
0: Well, be, That's a
3: really difficult school to get into. But, not, okay.
0: Well, the point is not if you're of a certain uh, pigmentation, if you're a person of color. The yeah, I know the game rate, well. <laughs> the admission rates are different, and this is something we're not supposed to talk about. In, in point of fact, Elon Musk is talking about it. Uh, he talked about it in part in response to the Scott Adams controversy, in part in response to this, saying, look um, – it used to be blacks that were discriminated against when it came to things like college admissions, and now it's whites and Asians. How about just not discriminating? Um, Harvard. Uh, Harvard, applications, uh, Harvard applicants in the top ac- academic decile have different chances of admission depending on their race. Asians have a 12.7% chance of admission. Whites, 15.3%. Hispanics, 31.3%. And blacks, 56.1 percent in the top academic decile. So that's the prequal. But then once you get clear that threshold, you go from Asians have a 12 percent, 13 percent chance to blacks having a 56 percent chance with whites and Hispanics in between. Is that the way we should do it? For more on the topic, we're pleased to be joined by Professor William Jacobson, clinical professor of law and director of the Securities Law Clinic at Cornell Law School, founder of LegalInsurrection.com and president of the Legal Insurrection Foundation. And Legal Insurrection has just launched their Equal Protection Project to fight equity discrimination. And remember, equity and equality are antonyms, not synonyms. We're talking about equity when we're talking about this tweet and the debate that it it generated, not equality. Professor Jacobson, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me on again. What's your response to uh, the college admissions flap as a lot of parents are befuddled by the academic records their kids have put together and then the schools that they can gain entrance to with those records?
15: Well, we get a lot of reports of similar sort of things. It's hard to know kind of nationwide or on a mass scale what's happening, but certainly the statistics that have come out in the Harvard case, you just cited some of them, and they were really foundational to the Asian students bringing that lawsuit, do seem to indicate that there is racial discrimination in college admissions. And, of course, we see it in many different areas, and that's one of the reasons that we... Form the Equal Protection Project, because we're seeing that the foundational goal of our society from the 14th Amendment guarantee of equal protection of the laws down to local ordinances, which is non-discrimination, is being cast aside for political reasons by people who feel there should be certain racial mixes in various jobs, in various universities and elsewhere. So this concept that we're not going to discriminate on the basis of race which we should all be striving for is being cast aside by this concept that we need to achieve a particular racial mix in a particular job or a particular university and therefore we're going to discriminate against either white people or asian people um, or whoever it happens to be and that's just so damaging to our country It, it really tears us apart that's why we launched Equal Protection Project, which is equalprotect.org, is the website. But address.
3: do you understand why Harvard's doing it? I mean, if there's nothing in place, the entire student body would be Asian, or mostly, not all, I shouldn't say that. But is that just my wrong in that thinking?
15: Well, I don't know. I, I certainly don't think the entire would be, but it would be relative to the population, disproportionately of Asian background. But I guess the question is, so what? Okay, If you yeah. have certain measurements that you consider to be you know, legitimate measures of merit, whether it's grades or SAT scores or whatever it happens to be, and one group happens to outperform others, so what's wrong with that? Our view is as long as each individual is being treated fairly without regard to race, then group outcomes don't matter. We don't buy into, I don't accept that group measurements Are The way to measure fairness, the way to measure fairness is how each individual is treated, which is what, at least until now, the law has always required. While there was a carve out a little bit of an exception for higher ed, which may go away soon with the U.S. Supreme Court decision in the Harvard case. But individual fairness is what matters. That's what the Constitution guarantees. That's what our laws guarantee. And the fact that one group may outperform another is really not a measure of anything, and it's certainly not a measure of discrimination. You can't assume that there is discrimination because different groups have different outcomes. And all of the people who say, well, what else could it be? Well, you're asking us to prove, uh, disprove a negative. Why don't you prove how a particular person was discriminated against? Don't just assume it.
0: Yeah, I, the Constitution, our constitutional rights are our individual constitutional rights. They're shared among us all equally as individuals. Um, it's not a zero sum game, which is what these identitarian groupists want to make it. Um, also, I mean, we, we shouldn't be. How are we surprised by this? It seems to me the identitarian left just doesn't like the consequences of their viewpoints um, known they don't want people to connect the dots they want people just to think about oh well this is a good idea to provide more opportunity to this group or that group but then when they see well here's how we're going to do it by these hard lined discriminatory policies with specific quota percentages oh well, i'm against that well no well you just don't want to connect the consequences uh, to the premises from which you start Uh, Of course, this is what they're doing because this is who they are. This is who's in charge of all the colleges and universities in this country. This is the people, the people that are signing, you know, uh, Henry Rogers, a.k.a. Ibram Kendi, uh, who, you know, explicitly says the way to cure past discrimination is with present and future discrimination. And so that's what they're doing. Of course, they're doing it.
15: That's right. And if you read the briefs that the various schools and, and hundreds of universities signed on and filed, you know, so-called friend of the court briefs, they all say that we need to discriminate in order to achieve our educational goal of a diverse student population. So they admit they're doing it on the one hand. On the other hand, they said they don't talk about it. And this is, you know, there are individuals who are being harmed, just like there were individuals being harmed in the 1950s, when blacks were the target group of these sort of discrimination. But there are individuals being harmed. And one of the things that caused us to start EqualProtect.org is when uh, the Providence School District, we're based in Rhode Island, had a teacher hiring program where you could get loan forgiveness if you're a new teacher into the system, your student loans, but only if you're non-white. And their justification, and we're challenging it legally now, but their justification is, well, we need a certain mix of teachers That looks more like the mix of students. Yeah, but there's individual teachers who are being discriminated against. How do you think they feel? How does that advance our society when you turn us into the equivalent of Yugoslavia, where everybody identifies not with the nation, not even with the state, but identifies with their ethnic group? You're turning us into a very bad situation. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of resentment when your goal and your governmental policy And your corporate policy is to favor one racial group over another. It was wrong when it happened with blacks as the victim, and it's wrong now when it's happening with other groups as the victim.
0: So EqualProtect.org, this project you're launching, um, I'm sort of surmising from what you just mentioned about uh, the Providence school system, that you're uh, soliciting people who have been discriminated against, uh, like the Providence school system example, And uh, EqualProtect.org is going to provide legal representation to uh, fight these sort of discriminatory policies?
15: Well, right now we're looking more at policies and procedures, uh, things that affect large numbers of people. Um, We're not going to provide necessarily legal representation ourselves. We may find it for people. uh, But if you have a very specific employment problem that's kind of specific to you, um, that's probably not something that we would get involved in. On the other hand, if there is a policy in your school district, there, there's a policy in your governmental entity that is affecting a large number of people, then you know we do certainly want to hear reports of that. And if we can get it resolved without the need for a lawsuit, so much the better. Sometimes a letter resolves it. Sometimes a publicity resolves it. Sometimes when bad practices are exposed, people stop doing it. But sometimes they don't but we have seen many governmental policies. The Biden administration had one that was stricken down by the courts for, again, loan forgiveness, but it was only for non-white farmers, not for white farmers. And right. struck that right. down. so this is, we're mostly focused on policies and procedures that are affecting a large number of people. But if you do have a problem, you know, you certainly can reach out to us and we might be able to connect you to somebody. But that's our main focus is not being employment lawyers. Our main focus is stopping bad policies and procedures that are now spread everywhere in society.
0: Is um, the Harvard case that uh, you mentioned before the high court that may uh, overturn the upholding of affirmative action that the University of Michigan cases from the beginning of this uh, century, is that having any kind of impact on Ivy League? policies admissions policies as far as you can tell
15: well yes because they're now uh, on the verge of eliminating the SATs eliminating standardized testing because the one of the primary pieces of evidence that the Asian students in the Harvard case had were the statistics you mentioned uh, and that uh, the SAT score statistics were the best proof of discrimination because this all takes place behind closed doors Nobody knows what the admissions committee discusses. And so now what are they doing in reaction to it? They're <laughs> making SATs right. test optional, or right. they're going to eliminate them completely. It's happening in law schools, too. The American Bar Association is on the verge. They, it came up for a vote and actually lost, but they're bringing it up again uh, of eliminating the need for uh, standardized law testing.
6: Oh my so gosh. what
15: they're going to do – yes, yeah, the, the LSAT uh, is already test optional – you can take the GRE, the graduate uh, exam, instead. So you've got your choice, but you still have to take a recognized standardized test. The ABA, is, American Bar Association, is trying to eliminate even that requirement. So what they're going to do in response to a negative decision in the Harvard case is they will just you know, shroud everything in even more mystery. They will eliminate the you know, testing. They'll eliminate the proof of what they're doing behind closed doors. And let's remember, the Harvard model, and it's really called the Harvard model, um, was developed in the 1920s to limit the number of Jews getting into Harvard, and they're using exactly the same model now to limit the number of Asians. So this is not new. Harvard has paved the way in discrimination, and they're so elite they they think they can get away with it. So none of this is going to stop with the Supreme Court decision. It may help around the margins, but the elite schools that have, you know, 30 people applying for each spot are going to keep on doing what they're doing. They'll just make it harder to find.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a good uh, uh, a good explanation of how incorrigible the people in charge of these universities and colleges around the country really are. Uh, good luck with the Equal uh, Protection Project. EqualProtect.org is the new initiative launched by Professor William Jacobson at LegalInsurrection.com. He's a professor of law and director of the Securities Law Clinic at Cornell Law School. Again, founder of LegalInsurrection.com, president of the Legal Insurrection Foundation, and the new project, Equal Protection Project, EqualProtect.org, for more information on the project, on the initiative. Professor Jacobson, thanks as always. Appreciate it. Great. Thank you.
3: Thank you. And he joined us on our turnkey.proanswer line.
0: Hear about the big stories of
1: the day, then talk about them right here on Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM560, The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. On the good side, the good news side for uh, Mayor Triple Threat, outgoing Mayor Gloria Lightfoot. You know, in about 30 years, they'll probably... Name uh, Expressway Interchange after her. No, they won't. And, and in about 20 years after that, so in about 50 years, they'll actually complete it.
3: Oh, right. exactly. Hey, yo, oh, yes, because Jane Byrne's the last person, what, 1983? She lost to uh, Mayor Harold Washington.
0: And before that, uh, Michael Blandick lost because of a natural Disney. occurrence, a snowstorm in his handling of it. Uh, Lori Lightfoot lost because of man-made disasters or... Triple threat-made disasters, policy disasters. Uh, but let's hear from um, the prospective new mayor, Brandon Johnson. Let's go, Brandon.
3: Oh, I know. When he
0: was asked about uh, the looting going on in the city during one of the two riots that occurred under triple threat's watch.
3: There were three.
0: Well, I mean, it was a oh. daily riot, frankly, right. I mean, yeah, uh, to right. varying degrees. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Here's what uh, Cook County Commissioner Brandon Johnson had to say about looting. Yeah, you can't condone, you know, we call that stealing, too. You know, stealing is it's also an acceptable description.
3: Crime, yeah, committing crimes.
0: Um, yes, uh, looting is bad, but the real looting we should be talking about is not what's happening on the streets, you see.
8: Loot because they that's how they can eat?
0: The
4: real answer is how do we make sure the question— is how do we make sure that people can eat? Look, no one is gonna condone um, you know, behavior that, that quite frankly speaks to a level of desperation.
14: So you're not, you're not out, condoning looting?
4: I, I'm saying that people are acting out of desperation. We don't want a society that is acting out of desperation, but you have to pay attention to the cries that people have. By so you're, ignoring you're not that
1: condoning looting?
4: There's no way to to embrace that. What I'm saying is you can't condone the looting that corporations continue to do every single day when they take tax dollars from black, brown, white folks all over the city of Chicago so that they can turn a profit.
3: And that was Micah Matera from WGN.
0: Yeah, the real looting is by corporations right. turning profits. And he's going to put an end to that, not to the looting, to the profits.
3: Nothing to see here. They can take what they want. Stand well, in order, it, yeah.
0: it's good. you know, No more looting by Citadel. No more looting by Caterpillar. No more looting by Boeing. No more looting by Tyson Foods. No more looting by the Chicago Bears. Uh, he's going to build upon the end to corporate looting that Lori Lightfoot started. Sounds good. Steve Moore. Economist <laughs> G- Godzilla joins us, Steve. What do you think? Finally, an end to looting in Chicago.
13: Yeah, get rid of all the white folks. You know that's the problem.
0: And, co- and <laughs> corporations.
13: Way, a- yeah, yeah, right. But look, I'm in a great mood this morning. I mean, that right. was an important election for people to, you know, ding dong, the witch is dead. Right. I mean, you have. Unfortunately, in Chicago, and this is saying a lot, the worst mayor in America by a long shot. And and you know, there's a lot of competition out there, but nobody who could hold a candle to Lori Lightfoot in terms of incompetence in everything. I mean, in in shutting the way she responded to COVID, the way she responded to the riots, the the taxes, the fact that she hasn't shut down any of the miserable schools. I mean, we could you guys talk about this every morning for the last five years. So. Bravo to the voters of Chicago for at least running her out of town. Now, Dan, you have to – you and I talked about this last week, and, Amy, you can be the referee here, but I'm kind of high on Dallas, but you were kind of saying, well, he's not going to be a savior. So wh- what is your guy's opinion? Because I'm going to tell everybody around the country what Dan and Amy say about this race. What What are
0: the stakes here? Uh, it's divided. I'll let Amy go first. She's more pro Valus. Well, I'm pro Valus
3: because like, he's you no, know, <laughs> okay. he's going to restore law and order to the streets of Chicago, not only by hiring that's more huge. police officers, um, and he comes from a yeah. line of people who yeah. served. Um, but he's going to confront Kim Fox, that's what I've been told, in the uh, Cook County uh, State's <laughs> Attorney's office to try to get it because she's letting these, you know, violent offenders out on electronic monitoring, and they're committing more crimes right. and even murdering people. To the tune of 25 people were killed last year. Those were preventable homicides.
0: Yeah. And then
13: what will Ballas do? Uh, will he support school choice in Chicago?
3: Yes. Yes, he will.
13: OK, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. All right. Damn what don't you? what's there not to like?
0: Yeah. So um, I, I know this may come as a surprise to you, um, but <laughs> sometimes politicians say things they don't mean. And right. sometimes a track record is indicative of a prospective record. And Paul Vallis right. is an institutional man who is of right. the don't make no waves, don't back no losers variety in Chicago right. that we've seen right. for many, many generations. So this is not some young upstart who's come in to shake things up. This is a guy who started out as an, a legislative assistant to a powerful Chicago oh, Dem right. family, a state senator from the south side, and has – Spent his career as sort of a green eye shades functionary and somebody who has never, never been at the front of the parade leading any sort of reform movement. Yeah, and now, good. and, and now, more, and right. one more thing, and now what we see him yeah. doing is abject pandering to the radical left, thinking somehow he can win by, uh, he can win yeah. the identitarian game against Brandon Johnson, which he can't.
13: Yeah, well, that's a problem. But I will say this, that, you know, if you can... Look, he's competent, though, right? And that's a big step up.
3: Yes, but he's going yeah. against Brandon Johnson, who actually, to this day, still works for the CTU. Former teacher, I, gets I know, paid 100000 as a community activist. And if he wins, the CTU is going to be on the fifth floor at City Hall. Yeah, so here's what I,
13: I just... The reason I'm asking these guys, this guys is because I just wrote my column for the hotline this morning, which I know you guys read every morning and many of your listeners do. And I, my title, I put it on it, was... Uh, it's pretty good versus
0: evil yeah um, How's that? maybe yeah. pretty uh, good I, versus
13: evil no, <laughs> well, know, I, 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 do I have I, the evil I, part right well <laughs>
0: yeah yeah i mean but brandon john <laughs> Bra- you know so brandon Johnson is, is an authentic marxist yes. and the question that you have to ask yourself is what is in the um short term and medium term best interests of chicago does it does it need to get worse? Uh, or uh, and and that would spawns an authentic reform movement, or do you have somebody like Paul Valis who, uh, more orderly in a in a more orderly fashion, manages the decline, and you never get any reform movement?
13: Yeah. Well, I I think at this point, you know, it would be such a disaster for the city if if Johnson wins, mm-hmm. the city's done, right? Because there will be no school reform, there will be no budget reform, there will be no tax reform. Uh, and, you know, this is this is the Dunkirk moment, guys, in my opinion, for the great city of Chicago. Am I wrong?
3: No, I mean, he'll he give he'll coalesce to the union, give them anything they want. He will not care about the people of Chicago, our kids. Yeah. yeah. It's just, he, no, and he's going to put a head tax on, on companies that work downtown. He's going to have a commuter tax. He wants to raise a hotel motel tax. Right. I, can go, I mean, yes, he tax, would be. Tax, he, tax, he, he,
0: that's not the question. He, he's a maximum Marxist. He's the real McCoy. Right. He yeah, would so he would should. he would pursue catastrophic yeah. economic and K through 12 policies across the board. But that's not the question. The you question think, you asked way, is, do you
3: think he, do you think he would be worse than Lori Lightfoot? Yes. And she even said that, too. Really? Que- really? Well, Repeatedly. For,
0: she said that, like we're supposed to take her opinion for it. But reg- well, that's, not, that's not the question. <laughs> that's not the question. The question that you asked was, is this a Dunkirk moment? And the problem that we have in answering that question is, unlike Dunkirk, you don't have. You do not have the populace rallying to engage to save yeah. their land, their homeland, if you will, like the British did in for their homeland, their, their motherland. You don't have that. You have the same historic turnout. You have the same distribution. You have 55 percent right. of the electorate that turned out vote for a Marxist of one stripe or another. So, right. no, pretty the pretty answer pretty is. What you wish for versus what is are two different things. You can wish this was a Dunkirk moment, but I don't see any evidence it's going to be.
13: So you don't see Dallas as being like a Rudy Giuliani type figure that would really turn around the city. No, come on, Dan. I was in such a good mood before.
6: <laughs> well, I, you, well,
13: if you, you wanted to you celebrate, I'm going to listen to Amy. Have you if Amy watched you Brandon to Johnson? If you, if you, you se- wanted to
0: celebrate Lightfoot's demise, <laughs> then we could all have a day of celebration before we all yeah. die tomorrow under maximum Marxism. But <laughs> you chose, you chose to look prospectively.
3: And Stephen Moore, I don't Amy, know if you follow you, me Amy, on how Twitter. Do put, how do you put up with this guy every day? It's right, right. I, 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 I do yoga. Um, but yeah. if you've have you seen Brandon <laughs> Johnson speak? He's charismatic. He's positive, he he's well-spoken, he's, he's tall, he dresses very well, yes. he's, he's the son of a preacher. And, uh, I mean, he's the yeah. shiny new object in the room. This is like Mayor Lightfoot all yeah. over again, but four years later with a different person.
13: I think you nailed it, my friend, Amy, and I think that's what... It, you're, the charismatic leaders are the ones that are the most
0: dangerous, right, Dan? Well, you don't have to worry about charisma when it comes to Paul Vallis. Oh, he was fumbling
8: and stumbling with the microphone last
3: night. I mean, if you watched his speech and, you know, but Paul Vallis was gracious and, you know, was not attacking, didn't even mention Brandon Johnson's name. And Brandon Johnson called him pretty much an insurrectionist. People who voted for Paul Vallis were insurrectionists, were January 6th people. Um, I mean, it was just, it was so... Um, he was trying to be funny, but then it got a little yeah. ugly. Well, quick. you know,
13: here I'm speaking of as a Chicago, and spent you know all my years growing up in Chicago. I will not vote for anyone who will not bring the Bears back
0: to Chicago. Oh, they're they're that's, gone. They're gone. Honey. Is that that's, a done that's deal? Never, that's a, that's done, a deal. done deal. They're going to Arlington Heights, yeah, my friend. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they still be number, called well, the
3: Chicago but, Bears if that makes you feel any better.
13: <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of work to be done. Let's just at least spend 24 hours celebrating the fact that the witch is dead and then we can deal with the new witch. And, no. and you're right though, Dan, I mean, you make a good point. You get people, it's, you know, like Barack Obama was a very characteristic, you know, charismatic figure. He didn't, he didn't have any economic knowledge. He was not a free market guy, but he won on the basis of his personality. I hope that doesn't happen in Chicago this time because it, there's no time to lose. I mean, Chicago is going to be a hollowed out city.
3: You know Brandon Johnson knows nothing about business or the economy, so uh-huh, we are—he's uh-huh. a te- former teacher and again, uh, you know, a social justice warrior. Uh, oh, before- one last question, yeah, by the way: ahead. Can
13: you confirm or deny that uh, Brandon Johnson has been a uh, defund the police? Yeah, yes.
0: Yeah, he said he
3: would not hire cops right away. No,
0: defund the of police. Of course.
3: A total defunder. Of police. He, I mean, what, oh,
13: what, I thought
0: what, he said the other day is
13: not. I thought he said the other day is not for defunding. them. Well, well
0: yeah, of course. I mean, so he sort of, you know, couches it. Um, we've got to support the police, but we need social worker task force and so on and so forth. Look, <laughs> and this is this is this is again what part of maximum Marxism is unclear. <laughs> that is who Brandon Johnson is. So pick an issue, filter it through cultural Marxism, and you'll come up with Brandon Johnson's actual view, which he, frankly, and, and this would, oftentimes this, he's not afraid to share in, in no uncertain yeah. terms.
13: And this and, would explain how he got the teachers' unions uh, endorsement. And, teacher. and yeah. S- yeah,
3: They love him, right? And they absolutely. love but him. But they vote. They're, yeah, yeah, I know yeah, they
13: do. Yeah. Well, if, if you don't roll the teachers' unions, at some point, You have to roll back the teachers unions in Chicago because you cannot have a family in a city where half the kids don't know how to read and write.
0: Hey, uh, let's uh, get a quick uh, uh, update on um, something that is is potentially salvageable. That's our country. Um, How are (laughs) how how are Republicans doing? They're not firing out of the gate in 2023. I mean, they have these some of these committees going and that's all well and good. But but what's your take as uh, Biden's touring the country, uh, repeating the canard about Republicans wanting to cut Medicaid and Medicare? How are how are Republicans doing? Uh, they're in the fetal position. Oh, great. Sounds
13: <laughs> sounds about well, right. I mean, they're Republicans, you know, <laughs> they're in the fetal position. hope so. they're protecting I their mean, head. I. I, I, I I have to say though McCarthy, I've got to, and I'm not a huge McCarthy fan, the Speaker of the House, but I have to give him high marks for the way he's handled Biden so far, and he's been tough. And by the way, that's in large part because I think that coup that happened at the beginning of the year actually gave him some backbone. So I I think McCarthy's ready to fight. But we only have 222 Republicans. That means all you know, you have to do is peel off six out of 222. And, you know, Biden scores a, a victory for his massive spending. The debt is up, folks. Six trillion dollars in two years since Biden has been in office. Six trillion dollars is the new forecast uh, in terms of how much higher it would be even under the Trump baseline. And by the way, I love Trump, but even Trump was a big spender. How do you do that? How do you deteriorate the budget by six trillion dollars so quickly? That's I didn't think it would possible.
0: All right. Well. I guess we have to go back to just celebrating Lori Lightfoot being deposed. Let's just focus on that for a minute. <laughs> well, Steve that, Moore, ain't, that ain't nothing, my it's friend. That not, ain't nothing. It ain't nothing. That's true. Steve Moore, okay. uh, economist, GovZilla author. Thanks, as always, Steve.
13: Take care, guys. Bye.
3: Bye. Thank you. And he joined us on our Answer line.
1: It's news, opinion, insight. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM 560. The Answer.
0: Good morning, Dan and Amy, and uh, we continue our conversation about yesterday's city election results, mayor and aldermanic candidates. Uh, good to see that the uh, Common Sense Caucus is intact. Ray Lopez won, mm-hmm. uh, Silviana Tabaris won, Napolitano won, Esposado mm-hmm. won. Gardner uh, didn't quite get to 50%, but he was at like 49, so he That's looks pretty phenomenal. good for the runoff. And, and we'll talk to Alderman Ray Lopez momentarily about uh, whether or not there's any prospects to add to the forthcoming hopefully forthcoming common sense caucus but and
3: dan i was happy to see in the 14th ward on the southeast side ed burke's ward his hand picked candidate raul reyes lost and yeah. same with mike madigan's handpicked candidate uh he lost as well so
0: uh there's a runoff in the 11th right that that, that went to runoff so uh we'll see how that turns out one one isn't one of the candidates a, a chicago cop I, do. I think i think so um, but you wanted to uh, uh, Provide another Brandon Johnson offering Before we yeah. get Alderman Lopez you
3: know, he's like, you know He's trying to be funny last night Charismatic,
4: personal Let me just go ahead and get this out the way <laughs> yeah. My wife of 25 years Come June <laughs> Chicago A black woman will still Be in charge I see what he did there
3: but the black woman who's still going to be in charge is going Let to be Stacey just... Davis Gates, who's in charge of the CTU.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, Alderman Ray Lopez joins us now. Alderman Lopez, thanks for joining us. Congratulations on your victory.
14: Dan and Amy, good morning, and thank you for uh, the congratulations. It's a beautiful day in Chicago today.
0: Uh, what about, I know, well, we'll get to the mayor's race, obviously, but just quickly on the uh, aldermanic side, um, to my question, are there any other prospects you saw in terms of adding to your common sense caucus?
14: I think we probably may see, um, depending on how the 11th Ward goes, in addition there Anthony Saravino is a police officer yeah, and uh-huh. he is very much rooted in the neighborhood and very much like-minded when it comes to being very pragmatic and uh, common sense in what we have to do in the community so he may uh, be joining us there um, but I think definitely a message was sent to many aldermen that you cannot just allow your rhetoric to run rampant without actually taking care of business in the neighborhoods, and that you will be held accountable. Uh, case in point, back to the first ward was Alderman Daniel La Spada, who, uh, though being Italian, was all for bringing down the Columbus statue, who now faces uh, Sam Royko, Mike Royko's, uh, uh grandson, uh, for alderman in the first ward. Uh, Daniel has been very much about, you know, the agenda where Sam was a victim of carjacking and said, when are we going to take crime and violence seriously? Because my yeah. wife was carjacked. Yeah. Um, so those kind of repercussions. Oh, and by, and by, uh,
0: sorry to interrupt, but by the way, in the first ward, uh, Amy's favorite former alderman, oh, yeah. Proco Joe Moreno, didn't fare last. so well. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Propo too.
3: Proco Joe came in last. That's right. He's
0: right.
14: Uh, so I think you're going to see, yeah. I think you're going to see some change. And I think hopefully you see some mentality, uh, shifts towards pragmatism. Uh, and we've seen that even in my class, uh, that was elected in 2015 when Carlos Ramirez Rosa came in as a firebrand, But by second term, he started tampering down, realizing that yelling and screaming isn't always the best option that sometimes, sometimes in politics, you have to work with people.
0: So, um, you and Lori Lightfoot, uh, going to, you know, bury the hatchet, go out for like a post election, postmortem and, uh, um, learn well, to I think love we, each other again?
14: Well, Dan, I think we did bury the hatchet in her political career. But <laughs> I, I <know>. think,
0: uh, <laughs> All right. Fair um, enough.
14: <laughs> the fact that 83% of Chicago said it was time for a new direction, uh, this speaks volumes. And you're right. We have now two candidates, uh, Paul Vallis, who uh, is very much like-minded in many ways, Uh, Particularly in contrast to his opponent, Brandon Johnson, who thinks making jokes about killing puppies and uh, looting being uh, something that's acceptable if you're hungry. is just uh, an outrageous uh, predicament for our runoff in April.
3: So you've been you endorsed Willie Wilson. Do you think Willie Wilson and yourself will now back publicly Paul Vallis and campaign with him within these next five weeks that are so critical?
14: Like can't speak for Dr. Wilson, because obviously that's a very personal decision when you come out of any loss. Um, And I've been there in my first campaign. I know what that's like. Um, But I know that um, for me, Paul and I will have a conversation. We've always had an open line of communication, even when we were in uh, opposition to each other. We've always been very cordial, very uh, uh, complimentary to each other. And I think definitely we need to come together. The point of me dropping out of the race was so that opposition can coalesce, and there's no reason for that to stop now, because we know what will happen. If we thought Lori Life was bad, Brendan Johnson will be worse, and we'll continue to see the enabling of crime in our city and the glorification of excuses as opposed to accountability.
0: Refresh our recollection. Uh, What was your hesitation with Vallis that led you to choose Willie Wilson in the primary?
14: Actually, I, I did not have much hesitation. The only thing that I uh, that was the deciding factor is that I've known and worked with Dr. Wilson more and longer than I did with Paul. And I believe you have to stand with those who help you, and, and that's exactly what I did. Uh, but now that Dr. Wilson is not advancing to the runoff, now we can reassess the situation. But I think for me, uh, though we have not discussed it, I think it's clear that what I don't want is some um, hyper left individual who thinks abolishing the police is the right answer in the city of chicago when we've had when we've been the murder capital nation for 11 years running that makes absolutely no sense to me and i know paul who has a family history of government and service whose children are police officers and firefighters um, understands what those individuals go through but also wants to reconnect with communities who've been left out by the politics and the narrative agendas but, we need to get yeah. back to being in Chicago that works. I don't know who, he said that last night, and I actually agree with him because we are not trying to emulate Washington, D.C., where all you do is yell, scream, and do nothing. Yeah. We need to be Chicago again.
3: Well, how do you recommend Paul Vallis get the black vote? I mean, I know I spoke to some aldermen, a few uh, black aldermen who said, yes, once he wins the runoff or once he wins the election, I'm going to support him in the runoff. Is that going to help, or what, what does he need to do?
14: I think that if Paul wants to aggressively go after the black constituency he now has citywide, um, he should absolutely do so, but don't rely on the the aldermen as mediators. I believe he needs to go directly to the people, be visible, be touchable, be approachable, and be able to listen to what they have to say and complement their goals in their communities. That's how you win the black community. That's how I've won the black community, six elections in a row. You don't try to come in as a savior. You just come in as someone to compliment what they're doing and what we can do together, and that will resonate. They, the black community, like all communities, wants someone who will listen and talk with them, not at them.
0: Yeah. What, what's your um, perspective on the appetite for hard truths to be delivered uh, across the racial spectrum in Chicago, uh, hard truths that uh, need to be delivered to um, to, to those uh Street vendors in Little Village that Lori Lightfoot said don't use oh, cash. God. That's our big solution for your safety. <laughs> um, you know, as well as the institutional interests, um, the the rent seekers in C suites, the Chicago Press Corps, uh, the public sector unions. Um, it seems like we are a city that's addicted to beautiful lies, and maybe there would be some benefit to delivering some hard truths rather than abject pandering.
14: Chicago is a city that can handle the truth very easily, and it can smell BS a mile away. I've said that plenty of times. My grandma taught me that. I think Lori Lightfoot, for as much as we disagreed, could have delivered the hard truth to people because we were in that moment, but she chose a very different route in politics. Paul Vallis, should he be victorious, can deliver hard truths because— He's not doing it from a place of being mean and vindictive and trying to put people down, but starting from a point of truth so that you could actually begin to lift people up. I think Brandon Johnson only seeks to pander and make excuses and continue enabling individuals' bad behavior. I think it was FDR who said that government should push you to your best, not accommodate you at your worst. And I think that's exactly what this election is going to be about in April. Do you want a mayor who pushes you to be your best? Or who's just going to allow you to wallow at your worst?
0: When you look at the turnout yesterday, which was about what it was four years ago, maybe a little bit less. We'll we'll see what the final numbers look like, but it's certainly in the ballpark. Does that give you pause at all? So you know, so less than thirty five percent. Does that give you pause at all to say uh, to, or to believe that we're in this moment where you can actually shift the paradigm on even some topics like police and public safety?
14: I think. Focusing on the percentage of turnout in any election for the past five years is fraught with difficulty and and a bad way of looking at things because of the fact that voting rolls are so bloated with individuals who should be purged from those rolls and have not been because of the process that we use. When I look at my own ward, at least one-third of the people are not in my ward anymore. And I know this from having knocked on doors, looked for them, sent them mail, both – Official mail as well as political mail, I see when I get back, even when I send to all people. And if I know that they're not there, then I know that from a percentage standpoint, my ward total may show 40 percent. But actually, I'm closer to about 70 percent turnout. If you take out everyone who's not in my ward, and if, they, if you apply that citywide, our turnout is very high in this city.
0: Really? The, d- the difference, <laughs> a 40 percent turnout in your ward, you believe, is actually 70 percent turnout? That's how bad the voter rolls are?
14: Yes, when Barack Obama <laughs> oh, was wow. when, when Barack Obama won, we had roughly uh, out of fifteen thousand people on the rolls, five thousand of which were not in the ward anymore and wow. should not be on my voting rolls. And I don't mean like dead; I mean moved, got yeah. you know, whatever.
0: All of especially the above. in
14: communi- all of the above, especially in communities where you have a lot of apartments and rentals, where people tend to be more transient than a homeowner who's going to be there for thirty years. Um, that has a huge impact. About a third of our pe- a third of the people on our polls don't belong there because the Board of Elections does passive uh, removal, which means if you don't live here, send this back and we'll take you off. Well, you, know, you and I all know that if you get a piece of mail for somebody in an apartment building, you don't do the right thing and send it back. You just throw it in the corner and walk about your business or throw it in the garbage can. And the Board of Elections keeps those individuals on and on and on for two federal election cycles, which means you could be on there for upwards of four years before they even consider removing you
0: hmm. yeah i do the same thing with parking tickets just throw those oh the yeah because <laughs> yeah, yeah they'll exactly. pay themselves Dan, You know, Abs- absolutely i hope you guys are
3: recycling though, because i recycle mine so. uh,
0: yeah, you know there was some controversy uh well not controversy but difference of opinion about this issue of how to handle migrants uh who are uh, have pending asylum applications and have been uh, have made their way one way or the other to chicago Um, You know, Willie Wilson, the candidate you supported, said, look, I'm for helping everybody, but we got to focus on Chicagoans first. Um, Others have suggested, uh, uh, including Vallis, I think, suggested housing them in public housing. Um, Where do you come down on what the right policy is with respect to our sanctuary city designation generally and this specific migrant issue?
14: Well, I think as far as the migrants and indeed all of the uh, unchecked undocumented immigration that happened we need to hold the individuals responsible who have the power to fix it and that's our federal members of congress the fact that we have 19 members of congress in illinois and none of them have taken this up as an issue you have a federal candidate who prides himself on being the, the leader of the latino community who has not once pushed for this issue in his two terms and neither for the guy before him for 17 years is absolutely ridiculous They've made the undocumented community a permanent second-class citizenry in the United States, and we can't continue down this path. I think locally, we need to readdress the Welcoming City Ordinance to take out or to put back the provisions that allowed us to coordinate with federal law enforcement if we have known documented gang members or violent criminals who also happen to be undocumented. Not just going after people because they're undocumented, but for those individuals who Simply don't care that they're here and they're trying to bring our city and our country down. I firmly stand behind that and have always opposed those removals because even the undocumented people here, while I welcome them as a point of philosophy, if you're not here for the right reasons, then I have no reason to give you sanctuary in my city. But you I were, think that uh, we have yeah, to make ahead. sure that we are doing right for our people in the city as well. And I think there's a valid point to that especially when you look at, for example, the fact that you have 200 to 300 homeless people descending on, on, on O'Hare Airport almost every night while the mayor of Chicago sat on $60 million in HUD funds to help put an end to homelessness. Oh. But yet we're going to go spend $20 million to to create a uh, asylum seeker detention center in Woodlawn. Our priorities are wrong, and I think we can all address that without harming people. We can help all people.
0: You were uh, perhaps uh, among the least surprised uh, people in the city as to Chewy Garcia's uh, performance or underperformance, some might argue. And I wonder if if that is mainly attributable to Latino voters not representing the strength of their numbers or just mainly attributable to the kind of candidate Chewy Garcia is.
14: I think it's a combination of Chuy ran a very lackluster campaign. I think he still feels he's owed something when clearly in politics you are owed nothing, but the opportunity for the voter to make a decision. I also think that a younger generation isn't necessarily happy with 30 years of, of propaganda without results. They see right through him that he's done relatively nothing other than try to manipulate the movement. The older generation know him as a brand. They know him for 30 years and will always be with him, but I think the younger generation... The 18 to 35 year crowd are wanting leaders who produce for the community, uh, for their community and address some of the issues that are going on there. So he will have to assess his future, knowing that his bluff has been called, his brand has been tarnished, particularly by uh, Bitcoin Boy and everything else that's been going on, (laughs) and see what Lies for his future, And
3: I, I just would have respected him so much more if he's, you know in, you know in reference to his son, which you know Chicago police are still you know he's one of those gang members that are still on their we know who you are list. Yeah. Um, just, say, <laughs> just admit it's like you know what I'm struggling like any other parent, even though he's not a kid, he's 39 years old and still lives with him, but he just ran from the issue and just thought if he kept running, it would go away and it's like you can't control your own house, how are you going to control violence in the city of Chicago? But my big fear now is he's going to take his supporters and his, you know, labor unions and that they're going to go all vote for Brandon Johnson.
14: Well, I think we have an opportunity where all the uh, old guard bench has been wiped clean. Mm -hmm. And now you're down to two individuals who are relatively new in the elected world. And that should hopefully give unions, business and everybody a new opportunity to start fresh. So that's what I'm hopeful for.
0: He is Alderman Ray Lopez. Alderman Lopez, thanks so much for joining us, as always. Appreciate
14: it. Dan and Amy, thank you.
0: Thank
3: you, and uh, we appreciate your time. And he joined us on our Pro answer line.
0: Listen
1: to podcasts of Dan and Amy from the AM560 mobile app. Download it today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile. If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM560, The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Our faith and family values, the foundation of our democracy, are under attack. Now more than ever, it's time to rise and take a stand. You're invited to the Black Conservative Summit March 24th and 25th, featuring Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, Larry Elder, Dr. Vodi Bacham, And uh, they're all great. It's a great lineup. But Dr. Vodie Bakum, if you want a Christian perspective on the cultural battles in the West, nobody's better than Vodie Bakum. Guy's awesome. Uh, They discuss how to fix America. Don't miss the impactful convergence of leading voices of the conservative movement March 24th and 25th at the Tinley Park Convention Center. Everyone is welcome, regardless of ethnicity. Oh, that's how you distinguish the right versus the left. Yeah, there you go. Everyone is welcome.
6: Yay! Okay. Seating
0: yeah. is limited. Register at BlackConservativeSummit.net. It's BlackConservativeSummit.net to register for the Black Conservative Summit, March 24 and 25, Tinley Park Convention Center. And uh, the organizer of said summit, Eric Wallace, joins us now. Eric, thanks for being with us. Appreciate it.
7: Hey, Dan. Amy. Amy great to be here. Uh, Yeah, good
6: morning. Great
0: great to have you. Um, That's uh, quite a lineup. Those are just a few of the names. There's a lot of other black conservative all-stars you've lined up. Tell us about it.
7: Oh, man. It's been one of those. um, This is kind of my my fantasy um, lineup that we have here Um, with with some of the folks you have already named. But we're also honoring uh, Bob Woodson, uh, Ken Blackwell, Dr. Shelby Steele, and Kate Cole-James at the uh, Rise Awards Dinner. Uh, of all the work that they've done over the years, you know we've we've got to start honoring people who, you know, are starting to get up in age and and uh, you know before they're before they're gone, and uh, we want to you know give them award. Rise actually is an acronym for responsible government, individual liberty, and fidelity, strong family values, and economic empowerment. And so we felt like this was a way to talk about conservative values and principles. Uh, a lot of times we want to talk about limited government up front, and a lot of people in the- and they turning their lights off, shutting their doors, and filling down the shades because they don't want to talk about that. <clears throat> Excuse me. But if you talk about responsible government, what does that look like? You can start a conversation on that, you know? That um, yeah.
0: And
6: so and we,
0: it, I, I sorry ahead. to interrupt, but but I, I love the idea of um uh, the uh the 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 old war horses like Woodson and Steele with some of the young bucks too because you know, the, the old war horses have perspective that you can't replicate because, for example, Shelby Steele and Bob Woodson were part of the civil rights movement in the 60s. So they can mm-hmm. sort of give first-person account of what that movement was about, how I think they would argue it got hijacked or splintered, and what has what the result of that splintering has been over the last 50 years.
7: And you also realize if you listen to their story that they were part of the radical um yeah, a lot of these guys that are that are staunch conservatives now used to
6: be
7: <clears throat> used to be radicals or actually Marxists. You listen to Thomas Sowell uh, and some of these other folks. They 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 saw the light and then they 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 ended up changing and decided um, that the black community in itself is, which has been, I mean you see it you, you see it in Chicago, right, <laughs> with the whole mayor's mayor's race. It's pulling people. It's it's pulling the whole the whole city left. If, if, if you will, and that's just the way uh, politics has been going these days, that we're pulling, everything is left, race is, is weaponized, gender is weaponized, and we've decided we've had enough. And it's, we're asking people to come regardless of ethnicity. Now it's called the Black Conservative Summit because most of the folks speaking will be black conservatives. And originally it said uh, how to fix black America with black actually struck out. And that was on purpose. To let people know, hey, the issues we have in Black America are actually American issues. I mean, our education sucks, not just for black, <clears throat> not just for Black students, but all students. Yep. Um, you know, businesses, <clears throat> inflation is terrible for everybody. It's just not in the Black community; it's it's everywhere. So there are a number of different issues that are um, uh, that are facing us, and we, we need to face it together. And our hope is that the audience <clears throat> looks as much like heaven, um, you know every ethnicity, because, you know, we're actually one race, a human race. So we're not going to have a bunch of races out in the uh, audience. We're going to have different ethnicities in the audience.
0: And, and you know, you've been involved. I mean, just since you, you brought up uh, Chicago and it's taking place in Chicago just a week before the uh, runoff mm-hmm. election for mayor, which is good timing. Um, you've been involved in Chicago politics for a long time. I mean, I think we met when I ran and you were running back in the 2010 election cycle. What, what's your perspective on on Chicago and Illinois politics, the, the racialization of the politics, the identitarian nature of it? And how much hope do you have for Chicago and Illinois on that score? Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Uh, right, how can I strike a hopeful note with that question? yeah, I know it's yeah, right I'm,
7: <laughs> look, I'm an optimist right because I believe that you know as a as a person of faith, you have to be an optimist because i you know nothing is too hard for God right, but it makes it sometimes it makes it difficult when you look at the circumstances and you look at the you know the obstacles that are ahead of you. I mean you know Chicago now has a choice between somebody who lives at at some point you would consider uh, a balance of conservative Democrat, though he's been coming out <clears throat> recently as more liberal. And then you've got uh, the other guy was his, is it Brandon? Brandon? Brandon Johnson.
3: Johnson. Let's go yeah. Brandon.
7: Yeah. Brandon. Johnson. <laughs> and he's so far left it's it's not funny. Um you know That's scary. It's it is. So if, if they ended up going if they end up going for Brandon, it's gonna be even worse than the boy in my opinion. Oh
6: yeah. So
7: so I'm I am praying that people are waking up Ain't going to decide. No, we've had enough of this far left lunacy, um, and that that maybe Vallis is just talking a little further far left just so he can be elected, and that he when he if he becomes mayor he ends up governing more conservatively than we've spoke spoken the last few weeks.
3: Will you be discussing the mayoral race at your event on March twenty fourth
7: <clears throat> and twenty fifth? No, we because we're five hundred one C three. Mm -hmm. we don't necessarily get into republican versus democrat we do get into conservative versus progressive um we do we talk about ideas right so we're not pushing the democrat party or republican party but we are pushing ideas and those ideas have consequences and if you understand the significance of those ideas and what it means to be conservative then more likely you're you're probably going to vote um the republican party you're going to find candidates that line up with your um <clears throat> with your ideas and uh your values and that's kind of that's what we're pushing we want well, people to look beyond the labels and and look at what people actually stand for
0: yeah for sure and i mean the reality is that the the story in chicago is the story in just about every big city in america
7: absolutely and and we want to talk about how look i, I argue with um Part of what we do is we, we, we challenge the church in general and the African-American church of particular to vote as valued, right? And so if you're pro-life, vote for people who are pro-life. If you're pro-traditional marriage, vote for people like that. If you're pro-education, vote for people and, who are going to you know, allow for school choice and, and better choices for our kids. Uh, and it goes on to free enterprise and everything else, right? But stop complaining about how bad things are in the city if if you're voting for people who have no clue. As to how to fix it, uh, you know, we want to confiscate guns. We want to have more gun laws, thinking that somehow criminals are going to follow gun laws. Really, it's against the law to kill people. I'm sorry, I get it. <laughs> what, what,
0: what, what, so what? What's your, per, you know, what's your perspective on the generation, on any generational shift uh, that may be occurring? I, Charles Thomas, our mutual friend, former ABC Seven political reporter, mm-hmm. introduced me to a young black entrepreneur in the city who's got a, a professional group of other black professionals um, who are doing exactly what you said Um, some may lean left some may lean a little bit right but they're they're not looking at labels they're looking at policies and and you know who aligns with their values and their interests and I I wonder if you see or you have some optimism about younger generations uh, making a course correction with uh, politics in the black community from what it has been since well since the civil rights movement
7: I think as I said i'm an optimist, so I have to believe that as we continue to get the message out and try different ways of of bringing about our message, um, that people will start to listen and if we're able to and, and part of the problem has been you know you, you talked about my running for office before part of the problem has been we have not spent any money <clears throat> within some of these communities talking about the the difference in our policy versus some versus the far left policies. Right. We, we haven't. And so as we start waking up to decide, you know, we need to start talking about these things. There are other people who are watching and how these other progressive policies aren't working at all. Right. And so I think we continue to to talk about these things. I think you start to see a shift. Uh, It was Malcolm Gladwell's book, the tipping point. Right. I'm hoping that we're going to get to a tipping point with, uh, Functions like this, the, the Black Conservative Summit and some of the other things we do, like Kingdoms in Conflict TV show and other things and other uh, groups, the Bob Woodson's group and other groups that are out there kind of echoing the same, same message um, that there needs to be a change in how, we, how we're doing things because it doesn't seem to be getting any better. More government involvement doesn't seem to be fixing any of the problems that we see in our communities. And it'd be up to us to try and make some of those changes
0: what's your perspective? you mentioned uh, k through twelve um, in addition to school choice or maybe um, maybe uh, uh, the leading tip is CRT and the curriculum and the parental revolt that started in northern Virginia and has <clears throat> spread across the country, uh, including with a lot of black dads stepping up and um, and calling out uh, the curriculum and the uh, the ideology behind the curriculum is is do you do you see just a school choice will resolve that matter, or do you think there needs to be a frontal assault on crt and the curriculum is it an all of the above approach or is it sequential
7: i think it's i think it's all the above because even because CRTs even started to the creep into some christian schools um and um uh, and um uh, charter schools i'm sorry uh charter schools so we have to um and I don't think we can just stop with critical race theory. I think we should be talking about critical theory, period. Because mm-hmm. critical theory has a bunch of tentacles. I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons why we have problems in our, our criminal justice system. where People want to just give people a slap on the wrist and let them go back out. That's that's part of critical theory, um, you know, critical gender theory. I mean, some of the stuff that they're talking about right now comes from that. And, and we've just been fighting with one tentacle. And I think it's time we we kill the whole beast and uh, <laughs> and destroy it because it's 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 part of the cultural Marxist march. And um, I reminded that uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but he said that he he quoted a student that said the issue is never the issue. The issue is the revolution. And so they throw up all these things and say these are issues. It's about white racism. It's about all these other things but it's not really that it's about destroying the democracy that we have so we can eventually usher in socialism and as socialism becomes the saving you it know, becomes our savior. So, so to speak that comes to take over because we can't get it right. And, and, and they've used race, they've used gender, of fact, like NAACP awards. I didn't actually watch it, but my wife was telling me it was, it was almost like, um, they the NAACP was pushing this agenda that black and transgender it's all the same and so we need to stand up and and push for these things together the black community because the black community actually at one point had been one of the ones that was actually standing in the way of this uh whole gender confusion piece now they're trying to connect it with being black and if you're not supporting this then you're really not you know you're not with you're not down with the program if you will
0: yeah, well, I applaud you for putting this together and getting all these deep thinkers into Chicago because their um, ideas need more exposure. You're absolutely right about that. The Black Conservative Summit, March 24th and 25th, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, Larry Elder, Bodie Bauckham, Bob Woodson, Shelby Steele, many more. Uh, the Tinley Park Convention Center is the location. To register goes to conservativesummit.net. Uh, excuse me, blackconservativesummit.net, blackconservativesummit.net is where you go to get tickets and support the Black Conservative Summit, March 24th, 25th, Tinley Park Convention Center. Eric Wallace, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it.
7: Hey, thank you for having me.
3: Thank you. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line.
1: The more you listen, <laughs> the more you listen, the more you'll know. This is Chicago's Morning Answer. Morning Answer. At AM 560. The Answer.
0: Thanks for listening to Chicago's Morning Answer podcast sponsored by Signature Bank.